Very good morning to you. Welcome back to the big issue on 97.3 City FM and also on City TV. We're also live on uh, our social media platforms on City Tube, on YouTube. Um, your comments, as always, uh, welcome via our WhatsApp line 0549-986-996 and also on 020-444-70322. This morning, we're looking at two key issues. Uh, one has to do with... Uh, what we call the rising indiscipline uh, and bullying in senior high schools, whether it's a cause for concern and what the way forward will be. There's been three incidents this week. Of course, the Adisadel College bullying video was taken, or the incident took place on the 30th of June, but the video became available this week. And we saw in that video a student uh, almost strangling another student. And we, just, we, we, are, we know that they are mates or form mates, both form three students, strangled him almost to the point of death and hit his face against a metal bed. You know, he, he, he bled almost immediately. The face, that portion of his face got swollen and he, he, he bled quite profusely. The two students were initially suspended, but they've been recalled. Headmaster, housemaster in charge of the Quay House suspended. Uh, he's not been recalled yet, but he's been suspended because uh, the letter that suspended him says that he did not deliver as expected of him as housemaster as far as the video was concerned. Um, we are generally looking at the incident of indiscipline in schools and also in the WA Technical Institute, some three students beat up a housemaster. One was yesterday also convicted. The other is being uh, acquitted and discharged. One is on the run. Um, so one actually has been convicted. They, were, they beat up a, head, a, house, a housemaster. In Laboni also on Thursday, some fight ensued between two students. One went out to bring some hoodlums from town to come and terrorize the whole school. Uh, what is happening to our schools? Uh, is there something we do not know? Is there something we can do to restore discipline? Or has it been, is it that the case has always, always been the case, but these days because of technology, phones, social media, so we get to see a lot of these uh, as opposed to in the past, what we're looking at. I also look at the matter of Cecilia Dapa. She's resigned. Um, some two house helps stole money from her home, one million dollars, three hundred thousand euros, um, several thousands of millions of CDs, uh, and, and other valuables. She reported the matter as a victim, but now it appears that the public is rather crucifying her for keeping all that money in her house. Uh, we've not really heard much from her, only to say that she will cooperate with the institutions to ensure that the truth is unraveled. We must also say that she said in an initial statement that there were inconsistencies in what was reported in terms of the figures and what was put out in the chat sheet by the police. We hope that all these inconsistencies are resolved so we know what the truth of the matter is. The office of the special prosecutor uh, is taking over the matter. It's gone to her houses, two houses we understand, conduct, to conduct searches. The office has said that they found something significant that they feel will help in their investigation. We only hope that the matter is concluded quickly so we know where the truth is, and the country can proceed. Uh, what does it say about public officers, ministers, MPs, etc.? Their conduct, you know, there may not be a law against keeping money at home, but what's the source of the money? Others have proffered a lot of explanations. But generally, uh, is it time we looked at the, the, of the, the conduct of public officers' bill with more seriousness and all of that? That we'll discuss uh, in our next segment. So, my guests. Uh, Franklin Kujo, President of Emanuel Africa, Dr. Clementa Park, MP Bosa South, uh, Deputy Ranking Member of the Education Committee of Parliament, uh, Joseph Penka, uh, former Deputy Attorney General, and also uh, former MP for uh, Timpani, uh, Angel Carboni, President of the Association of 
uh, graduate teachers will join us pretty shortly, so we'll take his views on, on that. All right, so, um, gentlemen, we're, we're just um, uh, making the point. Um, Honorable uh, Penka, uh, the point is made that the students are more in the schools, and so it has become difficult for the authorities to contain and control them. When we were in school, the whole school was around just 1,000 or 1,200 pupils or students. Now we have schools running in excess of 5,000. You know, how do we control them? What's the matter? How do we handle this? Is there a way around this? Or do we bring in parents? How do we involve parents? How do we involve the various stakeholders to ensure that when we take our kids to schools, I mean, they, they come out better? Tell them, I, I will look at this issue holistically. First of all, when we were in secondary school, we had, those days, we had one headmaster, one assistant headmaster, one senior housemaster. I recall very well when I was in secondary school. But today, in the majority of the secondary schools, you have one headmaster, all right, but the assistants are three. Mm. You have assistant domestic, assistant administration, and assistant academic. academic. Yeah. In like manner, senior housemasters, three. Mm. What does that tell you? It tells you that the enormity of the task has increased over time. Mm. And there is the need to expand numbers that will manage administration so as to be able to handle issues effectively and determine them before they get out of hand. So that's an admission. Mm. So if that admission is, is done, then we have to go to the other aspect of it, that is the student aspect. Whether even one housemaster without two or three assistants are capable of handling affairs of a house that he thought to would have contained, say, 100 students that may now have about 400 or more mm -hmm. in that particular house crammed in there. So it, it, it brings to the fore the need for us to look at it holistically and probably increase the numbers too of the, the managers of these houses to ensure that there's effective monitoring. Let me digress a little. I went to a police station here in Accra, and I realized that the IGP introduced a new policy in some of the police stations. Mm. You know, we used to just have one commander in some of those police stations. But some of them now, you have about three of them with the same rank as commanders in the same station. And oh. the purpose, I was told, is to ensure that for 24 hours, you have somebody there mm. to give instructions. Because sometimes the man closes and goes home, and an issue arises. There is nobody to give instructions. So the new, I think our IGP decided that as a result of that, there's no need to have a lacuna, lacuna at any point in time at all. So at all the time, there must be a head of the entity, even if it is midnight. And I thought that that was a highly commendable mm -hmm. thing to do. So can we replicate that in our institutions? And, and, and in, in, I've seen that even in some of the institutions, I've realized that some of the housemasters, there is an apartment in the house there, Housing. and then the person resides in there and has 24 hours guide over the, 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 the students and to ensure that the discipline that we so much cherish is, is carried out. So the increase in numbers, I mean, we cannot run away from it. I've told you that when I was in secondary school, for example, my four mates were, were just about 200 something of us. Today you have some of the schools admitting 1,000 mm. for just one batch, 1,000 students, which used to be the entire population of the school secondary school, mm. now becoming just one form and all that. So increasing numbers, we'll have to demand that we restructure ourselves in such a way that we also increase the numbers of the managers in manners that will enable us to monitor these children. Mm. Because uh, what is even outrageous is the fact that until the video came out, this thing happened around 30th June. And 
we are to, today is our 29th. In the mm. video, we started seeing it about three or four days ago. ago. So that for, even for three weeks or more, we never had an advantage of having a look at this video and etc. So it brings to the fore the need for us to have another look. And as, again, as I've said, even if it has to take uh, an education forum to discuss and deliberate on, on matters like this with experts in education to find out ways of, of fashioning out ways of ensuring that we nip these things in the bud. It will help all of us. Mm. Because nobody is, uh, no single person is, is, is an abode of all the wisdom on earth. We need to tap into the experience of a lot of stakeholders. You know, we need um, the education ministry is a key stakeholder in this, the Ghana Education Service, Ghana Education Service Council, the Parliamentary Select Committee on Education. Then uh, you have other CSOs that are into um, uh, education in, in this by edu, EduWatch and other uh, such like um, uh, institutions to all come on board and bring in their ideas so that we can fashion out better ways of moving forward. I've said it uh, this morning and I want to repeat that it is no good all, all the time to just discuss issues when they emerge and then after that we sweep them under the carpet. When they come again then we discuss them. So mm -hmm. what? I think the focus should be on ensuring that some of these things do not recur mm. because we've shown our revulsion and anger towards these things. And to ensure that it stops, we have to put in place measures that will forestall the recurrence of these things in the various institutions. Otherwise, as I indicated, we're going to have a situation where in the next one or two years, a similar incident is repeated we and come a similar back to discussion. It, discuss it, and uh, then after we'll that, go to sleep what? Again. We go to sleep. You know. so but, but, it, but that has been our conduct uh, as a yes, people and, yeah, and in all faces of society. I agree with you. And we have to change. Mm. If we will have to um, succeed in, in turning society for the better, we have to change. Mm. Because otherwise, we just become talk shops when issues emerge. And then after that, we, we are unable to um, put in place measures that will curtail or ensure that those things do not recur. And, and it will not help us at all in any way. Because mm. what is the purpose of, uh, what, what is the purpose of, um, of, of an incident that has occurred that you are discussing? Mm. It is for you to put in place measures yes. that will prevent it from recurring. Mm. That's the purpose. I mean, otherwise we are not here just to talk and yeah. get out of here mm. and then drive home. That's mm. not the purpose. The purpose is for us going into the future. What do we do so that these things do not recur? Mm. Otherwise, we will probably have an issue tomorrow when worst case scenario, could happen mm. and then we come to say as 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 my 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 in-law was was, mm. was indicating the worst could have happened we could have been discussing murder mm. yeah. as we speak and uh, fortunately we, we 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 did not get there yeah so what do we do so that we never get there mm. the only way we can never get there is to put in place those measures that will curtail it mm. otherwise look i i even know of an institution my brother, where students went into that school and divided themselves in, on ethnic lines mm. and were fighting. Yeah. Ethnic wow. lines. Yes, I know, school, school. I know an institution like that. Wow, that's In Upper East. Yes. But on my, a number of occasions. My, my constituency. Ethnic wow. lines. Of that. That, that's, Can you that's imagine that, that's serious. that children in school are dividing themselves into ethnic lines to fight one another? Mm. How are you going to be able to maintain discipline? For a start, they are enemies. Yes. So anybody could do anything to another. And these wow. things happen daily. And they have consequences that could be disastrous to all of us. I so see. the measures we are talking about that we ought to put in place ought to be done with speed mm. and alacrity Very so well. that these things do not recur. Very well. Uh, let me speak to Angel Carbono. Angel, uh, President of the National Association of Graduate Teachers, joining us on the phone. Uh, good morning and welcome to the program, Angel. Um, good the, morning. 
it's, it's a pity you couldn't join us in the studio, but we, we understand. The, the, the matter is, is, is grown and, and all of that. Now, the, the boy in question is undergoing criminal prosecution, etc. Uh, can you uh, summarize for us what has been your thoughts and Nagrat's thoughts since the video became public to date that the matter is in the bosom of the courts, the boy in question is standing criminal trial. Can you summarize everything for us in terms of what Nagrat and yourself you think about this, especially in respect to the criminal prosecution? Yeah, well, I think uh, this issue has come to the head because a student who is not supposed to keep a phone in school had the phone and recorded the incident. So what it also means, ironically, is that if the student had abided by the school rules, the situation would not have come to the public domain. Mm -hmm. But it is in the public domain, it has really uh, affected the sensibilities of people. But let me say, and everybody knows, that bullying in school is not a recent thing. It, it did not start today. It did not start just yesterday. And when some of us were in school, if mobile phones were present and you could record videos, I'm sure people would have seen worse things. But then, we'll, like, like the Honorable uh, Deputy Attorney General said, we are discussing those things to find solutions to the problem. And because the lives of young people are sick, children come from various homes in this country, from various backgrounds with various orientation and training, and they converge in school for the purpose of uh, teaching and learning, uh, we will have to ensure that that's exactly what they do in school to come and study. Now, the issues of numbers have been discussed in the studio, and they are right. The schools do not need to have the numbers that they have. Number two, you know, with this free senior high school, very high uh, uh, aggregates have been admitted in school. Uh, people who a few years ago uh, will not have been in senior high school. Now you are having people with aggregate 55 and so on and so forth. Some of them, they don't even know the reason why they are in, senior, uh, in, in secondary school. And with this system also, you cannot even repeat a student. Because in repeating a student, you will be told that you are blocking the chance of another group of students coming into the school. So there are inferior boys and girls who come to school, and they don't know what they are about. They hardly attend classes. They don't write the exams, but they pass through. Now, the numbers are also such that we have not been able to put up infrastructure in within our community. Let nobody take advantage of this situation and condemn boarding schools. No. Boarding schools have helped this country. It has become a melting point on very on, 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 on people who either to have cultural suspicion, cultural misunderstanding of each other. In one school, you like for John, you have people come from the north, you have people come from the south, east and west, different tribes and clans meet together and all these cultural suspicions are melted out. So the boarding school system is good. We need to improve it. The next thing that I'll talk about is the motivation of the people who superintend over the children in the boarding houses. Let me tell you that the housemasters and housemistresses are also classroom teachers. And the difference in allowance 
between a house master and a non-house master is less than 120 Ghana cities a month. Mm. Yeah. But when you go to countries in the eastern part of Africa, house master work and so on and so on are full-time jobs. The house matron work in East Africa is a full-time education job. Mm. But here, the person is a math teacher or an English teacher, and the person will have to add the house duties to the job he or she is doing. And the only allowance difference that he or she takes from the person who does not play this role is 120 Ghana to be. So it is not a full job. It's a part-time job to the main job of teaching. We need to look at that too. Now, how many students should a housemaster superintend over? It will have to be universal across, across the country. How many students will be appropriate? Because we have what we call class size. So do we have dormitory sizes in terms of numbers, in terms of management? That is something we don't look at in this country. Number two, what training? What special training? or in-service training do we have in this country that qualifies a person to become a housemaster or a housemistress. Now, these days, the truth of the matter is that the TTA system has been destroyed. There used to be a very good uh, combination of efforts between parents, teachers, and managers of schools. Today, the TTA is more or less a dead uh, elephant. So that collaboration is weak. And we need to review these issues and look at these issues critically. Mm. So the situation from Addisada College, unfortunate as it is, is giving us the opportunity to really look at the situation of our students in boarding houses and also day and ensure that we have an environment that is conducive for teaching and learning. Very well. You mentioned a number of things. One is the numbers. The numbers only suggest that there is there's demand for senior high school. Fortunately, the free senior high school program is made it possible for people who wouldn't have been in school because they did not have money to be in school. So that's a good thing. Number two, you mentioned the issue about the past grades, people with grade 45 and 50 being in school. But once they are past grades, they should be in school. And from the policy uh, perspective of the free senior high school, for example. I understand the whole idea is to make secondary education a minimum uh, education level for, for everybody, you know. So they have to be in school anyway. Whether I agree 40 or 50, they, they, they have to be in school. So I'm not sure so, really whether so, that... Mm, so sell up. Yes. Sell up. So build more schools. Mm. Provide more infrastructure. If you want every child to be in school, put up more schools provide more infrastructure, provide more resources. Because, you see, when you cram a lot of students in one school, education becomes counterproductive. Mm. That is it. You see, education has an objective. When you create a, a situation like we have, the objective is not achieved. The consequences become more dangerous. Mm. Yeah, so if we want every child in Ghana to go to school, I don't have a problem with it. It's a good policy. Build more schools, provide more infrastructure so that everybody can be in school. And you see, the issue of class size is a scientifically researched size. Mm. 
It's a scientifically researched fact. So when you go and cram sister students, sister students in one classroom for a teacher, education becomes counterproductive. Mm. I see. So also talk to me about this issue about PTA becoming PA. I mean, parent-teacher association, as we've always known it. It's now become, it's now become a parent association. Why are the teachers no more part of this? What is the reason behind the teachers no more part of being part of the, the PTA? And what implication is that having on discipline in schools? Oh, it is because, it is because of populist political policies of uh, government. Populism and nothing else. Because, you see, the PTA are there for a purpose. The PTA are there to complement the work of the school because parents are a major stakeholder in the education provision of their children. So they will have to participate and be interested in how their children are raised and the environment and the resources with which their children are raised. So when parents come to the school and government is unable to provide adequately the resources, the parents are motivated by the reason of the development of their children to be mobilized so that they can contribute. And that relationship has been very positive all over the years. Look, PTAs are not only in Africa. Go to the United States. PTA are major stakeholders in the education of their children. Look, at the end of the day, we have examples of PTAs putting up classrooms, putting up dormitories, providing resources for schools. But you see, there cannot be any good romance without money. Yes, we agree that there are people who cannot be. There are people who are challenged. My guess I see you are becoming a relationship philosopher. There can be no romance without money. I see. I'll write that one down. I agree with you. There can be good romance without money. I see. Quote unquote. You know, so 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 please, the fact that there are very poor parents, the fact that there are some parents who cannot pay, it's not enough to break the mobilization of parents using the school as a mobilizing fulcrum. It is there, it will always be there. Mm. Parents are, look, we have a licensed parent who are more than happy to contribute to the sustenance of the school their children went. So please, there is a need for us to allow that system to operate so that they can help. Another one is old students. Look, people have gone to school, they have finished their school, and yet they are contributing to the school. When you hear that a school is having a top-class computer lab, let me tell you, it is either the parents who contributed or the old students who are mobilized to contribute. You know, so let us allow the schools to operate and have confidence in the managers of the school to be able to mobilize parents, to be able to mobilize old students, to be able to mobilize the community. The schools cannot be run from the Ministry of Education. The school cannot be run from the headquarters of the Ghana Education Service. School is a community issue. 
I see. Now, people have also spoken about the punishment regime, the fact that there's no corporal punishment anymore, students, we understand, do not weed anymore, etc. You, you are in the schools. Uh, what is the situation in respect of uh, the punishment regime? Oh, uh, let me change the word from punishment to sanction. Okay. Uh -huh. Because, you see, um, proper punishment, the Ghana Education Service thought that it was outmoded and it was inflicting physical injury on the students. But the way and manner it was taken out, without making a very an effective replacement, so as to deter errant students from misbehaving, created a lacuna that we have not filled as we speak. For example, a student who is supposed to be in class, because the school is close to the seashore, decides to go to the sea to sleep and come to school. Now, and I'm talking practically, and this is a real thing that happened. When I was teaching in that school, at that time, there was the teacher who came. I lined those students up and gave them six, six lashes. I can assure you, throughout their stay in school, they never went to the future. One is now a reverend father who has a program before I have forgotten. He said, hey, but for this man, I will not be where I was. Then he told the story. I am not saying that we should laugh, but we need to have punishment enough to deter students from truncating their own future. School reopened. A child takes money from the parent and never comes to school for two weeks. When that child comes, you don't just send that child home. You need to punish that child for that child to know that there is a pain to earn when I misbehave, all in the interest of the, of, of, of the development of that child. Mm. Allow the schools to develop together with the parents, sanction regimes, and be effective. Look, there are still some schools in this country you cannot mess up. One of the schools is uh, uh, Francis Xavier in Wasp. Another one is North Dam. Another one is St. Jake's. Another one is uh, uh, Franklin's own, own school, St. Mary's Lolobi. Another one is St. Rose. How come that you don't go to these schools and mess up? Because this school is owned and controlled by the Catholic Church, and they have maintained their sanctioned regimes. Oh. How come that all other schools cannot replicate this type of discipline? I see. That, that's interesting. So uh, I'll come back to you a bit later for your view on what we should be doing uh, as the way forward. All right. So let, let me come to you, uh, uh, Dr. Park. Yes. You, you, yes, you're making a so point long, about I, it. I, I am happy that, yeah. uh, you know, Angel mm. has been able to at least dilate the issues a bit further mm. from their perspective. Because mm. they are in the, in the middle yeah. of, the, of the theater, if mm. you like. You know, they are in the soup. Mm and they know what they are saying. And I'm also happy with what uh, lawyer Kwemka, you know, what he said. But collectively, if I were to sum everything up, what we are all saying now is that, Mr. President, it is time to call for the National Stakeholders Forum for us to review the implementation 
of the free senior school policy. Because mm. most of the issues that are coming up, we cannot take them in isolation. There are connectivities. They are synergized. Mm. You see the issue of the high aggregate. Once you open it up, and the policy direction is that senior high school should be the lowest qualification mm. that Ghanaians should obtain, you then necessarily must create adequate space so that all these persons who hitherto, before the implementation of the program, were sort of sieved or weeded out, can have adequate space. Mm. We are not expanding the fiscal infrastructure within existing secondary schools, and we are not even building more. So you see that there is a relationship between the policy to bring everyone in and available space. space. And because it is not synergized progressively, we are having schools having to take 4,000, 5,000 students. Hmm. If we have to build more schools, clearly we wouldn't have situations where schools would be compelled to take in that many students. Then he talks about the PTA, which I indicated earlier. Yeah. Do not underrate the role of the PTAs, ever. Mm. And I think that another reason why we have to look at the review of the policy, this idea to relegate the PTAs to the background and make them more or less voluntary groups and they, they can do what they want and, and complement what is going on in an informal way, is not helpful. Because mm. parents have a role to play, even in matters of discipline. In almost every shape and form, you cannot ignore the role that a parent has to play. So even if the students perhaps would, would show disrespect to their teachers or to their housemasters who are being overstretched, as uh, was indicated, you, you have your regular job that you are paid for mm. as a classroom teacher, teaching maths, teaching physics, teaching chemistry, and then taking on the added responsibility of being a housemaster. Mm -hmm. You still have to go and prepare. Yeah. Yet you are having to deal with colossal numbers of, of students. So I think this, these occurrences are now begging the president. We are not saying it. The circumstances are now compelling all of us. And in fact, look, let me put on record. Almost every stakeholder has agreed that we ought to review the policy, mm. except government. And in fact, sometime last year or so, the president made allusions to the fact that he was amenable to a national conversation uh -huh. around the future of the policy and its implementation. I think now is the time. If for nothing at all, even the IMF has indicated, and you and I have had that conversation here, yeah. that we need to relook look at the policy and perhaps look at targeting. Even if we don't want to target, at least let's look at all the other variables that we know when we tweak them, we adjust them, we, we provide them, would, would increase the pressure. Just a few figures. I have with me the presentation that was made to uh, my, my committee, the education mm -hmm. committee, by the Ghana Education Service when it, it met the committee to justify it, its budget estimates for, for the year in question, 2023. According to the, the, the document, the total number of teachers in the secondary school system was 54,357. Mm. 54,000, 
357. The total number of public senior high schools was 600. Let me see. I'm going to make a point. Public senior high schools was 699. Okay. Now, if you add the TVET and, and others, I think it comes to about 730 mm -hmm. thereabout. Okay. Now, the total student population in the secondary school system, mm -hmm. when the uh, Ghana Education Service also did its presentation to us for, for this year in question, and that will be for the 2021-2022 academic year, was 1 million... 308,816. Mm. If you were to do just the basic arithmetic on the average, you divide the 54,000, just about, yeah, 54,357 teachers by 1.3 million. Do you know the ratio of the number of students per, per teacher? Mm. 24,000. Oh, 24,000 24, students per teacher. per teacher. That is how bad it is. Wow. Yes. I mean, these are the raw figures. You can do it. So there are challenges. There are serious challenges. And I think we ought to be honest and admit that the policy is a good policy. We have all agreed. Nobody is going to cancel free senior high school. It has come to stay. But are we satisfied with the current state of affairs? Are we satisfied with all of these challenges that we speak about day in, day out? Feeding, inadequate accommodation, inadequate furniture, overcrowded classrooms, overworked teachers, you know, and all of these matters of indiscipline that, that we are facing. Are we satisfied? Are we satisfied that we are not even able to remit and to pay suppliers of, of school uniforms, of sports apparel, of food suppliers? Are we satisfied that till date, since 2017, government is here to remit even one city to cover, absorb cost centers like library fees and ICT fees. There's a lot that is working against what we want to achieve. And the only way we can make progress is for us to sit down around the table, as you know, lawyer Kwemka said, let's bring all stakeholders on board. These are our wars. This is the future of this nation. We are not doing ourselves any good by burying our heads in the sand and pretending that all is well and dandy. Mm. The longer we continue to play the ostrich, the more challenges and the more worrying <coughs> situations we are going to face. So for me, the take home from all of this is that the time has come for the president to do the needful. We have been waiting in the abyss, mm -hmm. on the sidelines. He should instruct the Minister for Education to convene a national stakeholders forum. Let's all come. We would review it. We will see where we need to reinforce, we reinforce. Where we need to rearrange, we rearrange, and, and then we can, we can move on to get the maximum benefit for ourselves and for the future of this nation. Right. But with this trend, I can tell you that, yes, we will just be increasing the numbers, mm. churning them in and out, but then what is going to be the value? Mm. So that, for I, me, I, I want should be the way forward. Yes, very well. Let, let me go to Franklin and, and take from him what his recommendation on the way forward will be to instill or to restore discipline back to our schools and also to ensure that really when our students go to school, they study and do what we expect them to do in school. Franklin. Well, first of all, let's not, let's not make it sound as though there are no rules against discipline, mm -hmm. right? There are, there are laid down regulations in each school, I suppose, mm -hmm. uh, for misbehavior. 
and the punishment must be method of fact. Mm. If we want to, um, if we want to escalate the matter to the to the to the issues around school management and in these school sizes, well, that that's another conversation we need to have. I think that conversation has been begging to be had for several years, if not decades. You know, I mean, I think if we take a look at educational policy, as I say, politicians just have wet dreams and then decide to impose them on us. Um, I do not think that the whole scale school reform essentially is needed at this juncture to deal with this matter of indiscipline. I can understand that indiscipline would occur, but if indiscipline was all over the place, as in the A-listed schools, as in the middle-listed schools and the lower-ranked schools, then we probably have a matter on our hands. Uh. I'm not sure we can use a few incidents to, um, to, 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 I mean, to conflate the issue, of, to, to, I mean, to, to make the issue, look, magnify the issue to the levels of uh, school management and all of that. I mean, these are these are acts of indiscipline, and uh, even if students are more. Um, there's a certain code that everybody's supposed to respect. If we've done some scientific analysis to determine that these acts of indiscipline are a result of bad food, for which we ate quite a lot during our time, uh, and the students are still, if it's as a result of, you know, um, a class type, uh, the fact that there aren't many teachers, um, for which we, we've always had problems with that then we are likely to make a very detailed scientific analysis and say that as a result of the previous years, as a result of all of this bad uh, education policy, that is that is responsible for this act of indiscipline. Mm. But do we know that of research? Do we know that of class? Do we know that of St. Mary's, my school? Mm. Do we know that of St. Mary's, the girls' school? Uh, so um, I'm a bit constrained uh, to say that we should call for a national colloquium simply because there have been acts of indiscipline. I understand carefully and I understand what my good brother Park uh, uh, is saying. That look, maybe yes, let's, let's, we, we should have a we should have a broad national conversation about school management and school sizes and school administration, including how students are fed and all of that. But I'm not too sure we can link that acts of indiscipline that we are seeing in pocket schools. Um, that's not to say that they shouldn't be punished. They should be punished, investigated, and their proper sanctions are pushed. Um, so basically, that's what I'm trying to say. Mm. Otherwise, the, 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 the sanctions regime are tightened, and the students must be punished if they go beyond the, the books of the schools. I see. Um, Angel, um, you, you are in the schools. Um, of course, we've heard your views on a number of occasions, but given the circumstances of today and all of the things we have seen even this week, it means that the situation is or may be getting out of hands. What practical solutions can we proffer to help the situation? Oh, okay. Let me, let me also say that uh, over 90% of our students are disciplined. Mm. In fact, let me uh, if, 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 if not, would have had a chaotic situation. There are mm -hmm. students who know the reason why they are in school, uh, and they are taking their studies seriously in this country. It is not a situation that is gotten out of hand, that cannot be handled. We are dealing with a very volatile 
age group of people, you know, and that is when you take nicknames like Abizi Bid. It's the most change, it's a change period in people's lives. So those behaviors are supposed to be expected. The issue is that we will have to have a regime that can handle the situation effectively for the good of the child and the good of the nation. Let us always emphasize that, that we don't punish or sanction to destroy. We sanction to reform and create a situation where that person sees the light and follows the light for his or her own good. Let's empower the school authorities. Let us allow the PTA to be PTA. It cannot be PA. Parents and school management and teachers will have to sit together as an association of stakeholders so as to contribute to the development of the schools. And so long as your child is a beneficiary of education in that school, you as a parent will have to be a member of the PTA and contribute not only in monetary terms, but in all other ways, such as resources, ideas for the development of your child. Mm. But, and then, let me tell you, there are some schools that the PTAs have contributed in developing sanctions. The parents, you know, and the parents will support school management to ensure that any area students should be sanctioned. Go and see the results of those. I'm just giving you a list of schools. Go and look at the results of these schools that I'm talking about. Go and look at the results of St. James in Sunyani, North Dam. Go and look at their results. Go and look at the results of Savia. Uh, because in those schools, the discipline is strict and you will have to follow it. Oh. Thank you very much. Thank you, Angel. Thank you so much for joining us. Honorable Kwenka, um, you have the last word on this, in terms of the way forward. Well, I have stated, right, mm -hmm. um, when a person like Angel speaks, he mm -hmm. knows what he's talking about. He's living deep in there. Mm -hmm. And these are daily experiences that he goes through. My brother, Apak, until he became a member of parliament, mm -hmm. was in no less an institution than the University of Ghana as a lecturer. He knows what it is to interact with children and, and students for that matter. All of us know what we are talking about. I, before I actually became a member of parliament, I was a lecturer at the uh, Bolgatanga Technical University and all that. What I'm seeking to say is that all of us have had one experience or the other interacting with students. Mm -hmm. Again, before I even did my law program, I taught in Bolga Girls Senior High School for three years, wow. you know. And I knew the experience, practically, what it is to live with these students and what it is to be able to discipline them and all that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, as even a teacher, if you are too high-handed, some students can set you up. Mm -hmm. yep. I'm being honest with you. If you are too high-handed as a teacher in a school, they can set you up and destroy you. And some of them, some, some so you even find sometimes teachers colluding with students to destroy other teachers. Wow. All these things go on in some of these public schools and, and all that. So I have said it. And my final word on this matter is that we should, as a matter of fact, come up with a forum, mm. an educational forum at which all the experts in the various fields and contributors to national educational policy are on board 
and each will articulate their grievances. Then we can have this as a policy document to guide us. To guide, in terms of what? Discipline? Discipline. In terms of the, 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 Disi and then discipline and then the education of our children at the secondary level as a whole. Mm. As he, he indicated. Because what, what, you once see, you call for something like that, yeah. then the next thing is review of SHS. But that's yes. what your government doesn't want. No, no, no. To, no, you see, government no, no, no. Hold on. Review. R-E-V-I-E-W. Mm. You see, I think that at a point in time we have to face the realities as a The review has been described or redefined as cancelling. No. That, 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 you that's see, what, what, what I'm saying is that I don't think there is any government, mm. not in the near future, mm. that will dare cancel free senior high school. Mm -hmm. And I heard my, my brother stated it. It has come to stay. Mm. Any government that comes to power and tries to take out that free senior high school is just like also cancelling what we had already taken for ourselves, the basic free, basic, and compulsory investor education that we, we, we imbibe for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So for me, practically, it has become impossible to take out free senior high school mm. because we, we are getting very much used to it. All we need to do is to address the bottlenecks. That's it. You know, mm -hmm. and I mean, it, it, you can only perfect a system when you have studied it over time and realize that there are some loopholes and lapses that you need to correct mm -hmm. to be able to make it work and function very well. So. As we progress, some of these things will come up. Mm. We've talked about the numbers. The numbers are ballooning by the day, mm. and they are not about to come down no. any day at all. No. So we, we, yeah. have to, we have to find ways of, of addressing these things. Mm. You know, when I was member of parliament, just to conclude on this, mm. I remember very well that I woke up to a very bizarre situation in my secondary school where accommodation was very terrible in Timpani Senior High. Mm. And be, be, just before I left office, three brand new dormitories had been completed. Yeah. Three and 24 uh, unit classroom blocks had been completed after I had gone to meet the minister and lobbied and he listened to me. Three brand new dormitories. You could imagine that within the four years I was in office and all that. And then 24 unit classroom blocks constructed within that period alone to be able to accommodate the increasing numbers. Mm -hmm. Timpani Senior High School is, 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 I mean, the name is not that famous, but it has big numbers. At mm -hmm. a point in time, there were over 2,500 students in that school. Mm. One of the biggest population that we could talk about without a, a, a dining hall. And recently, we are just about to finish the assembly hall. And we are now lobbying for a dining hall and all that. So all these things are also factors we have to look at. Mm. Truth be told is that free senior high school is a fantastic idea. And nobody, nobody in this particular country at this time of our history should condemn it. Mm. But if there are bottlenecks, we have to address them. Well. And those bottlenecks will perfect the system, including discipline. Because, look, we can churn out millions, but if we churn out millions of dangerous characters, then we have to battle it out as a society mm -hmm. to contain them. So in doing so, we have to fashion it out in a manner that we can take care of the numbers and maintain discipline. Mm -hmm. Discipline is a core characteristic of any institution that needs to develop. Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, thanks so much. So that's uh, uh, the Honorable... Uh, uh, Joseph Benka, former Deputy Attorney General, and also former Member of Parliament for the Timpani constituency. And his, his speech forms, he wants to go back to Parliament on the ticket of the MPP. So you, you've picked forms. So when are you submitting a form, Sonabu? Well, um, my team is here to do that. They mm. picked it for me. Okay. They've done all the feeling and mm. they've not given me an indication when they want to. But my, my team will soon be telling me. But how much time do you have but to do definitely, that? Uh, the last day for filing will be 10th August. Okay, all right. And uh, we'll do it before then. Mm, okay. But how is the ground? I mean, so far, are you the only person who's picked forms as two, far as you know? We are two. two. 
Yeah, too, but mm. by the grace of God, you I hope to, to come to go okay. through. So that's an NDC seat now. Well, you were the MP. Yes. And the the. In fact, the, I stole it from NDC, and okay. they took it. And back they took it back. And do you know the interesting thing about it? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something funny. Let me tell you something funny about this this matter. You wanted to stay away. Let me tell you something. He he's in a very queer situation in my constituency, so no one to comment. Oh really? Because he's in law. And oh. his in law. Yes. Okay. Then his sister is the one who defeated me. No, she's my niece. And his direct oh, so your niece. niece is MP. Yes. He's in a very, very oh, tight corner as far as my constituency wow. is. I see. That's interesting. In fact, the two of them are from the same I see. The same the village. Is from my village. Oh, I see. That's too bad for you. So it's a very interesting one for you. I see. All right. So this is a big issue on 97.3. The more reason why he has to deliver the dogs. I for that one. A very fatty one represented. City TV. A few of your messages. This one from. Isaac Francois in Amasaman says GS should have at least two policemen and two policewomen in their dormitory, respectively. Wow. Uh, moreover, CCTVs must be connected throughout the dorms, giving a particular body, giving to a particular body to monitor what the students do and how they behave. Wow, that's 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 interesting. And a few others I'll read out to you after this break. Don't go away. Well, so when we come back really, we'll look at the discussion on the Cecilia Dapa matter. She's resigned, OSP is taking over the matter. There's public commentary on it. And a whole lot of things are being said. We'll look at them and, and, and provide some insight. Don't go away. All right, you welcome back to the big issue. Um, we are live on 97.3 City FM. We are also uh, on City TV and on uh, Facebook and City Tube. Um, you can join the discussion as always on 020-444-7033. Also on 0549-986-996. And we'll be happy to read out your comments to the rest of the world. Some of your comments have been coming to, we'll read them in due course. Now, um, on Thursday um, and into Friday, we heard about the case of Cecilia Dapa. Uh, indeed, the matter was taken to the circuit court, a criminal matter, two, about five persons arranged before the court for stealing. They had stolen her money well in excess of, I mean, millions of, of, of CDs, if you convert same. One million dollars, 300,000 euros, a lot of CDs you know, other valuables, jewelry, suits, etc. Just after that, the discussion then turned. Now people of the public became interested in the source of the money, how the minister was able to keep all that money in the house. And also the fact that according to the narrative, she couldn't even, or the, or the couple, the minister and the husband who made a complaint could not, or, or could not detect that, that huge sum of money was stolen by the two ladies, the two house elves, until uh, they caught one of the ladies in the room, you know, and so that, you know, began some inquiry before they realized that some money might have been stolen. So the, the, the issue has been raised as to how much money possibly could have been available or kept in the minister's room and what that money was doing there and, and, and what the source of that money was. That has become the conversation rather than the theft case, which is presently before the court. We understand the Attorney General is called for the docket to look at, which is 
quite strange, though not, which is quite unusual, though not, not strange. I don't even know how I'm putting it, because the Attorney General has always could call for the doctor to look up. But this is a case of theft. Why should the Attorney General be so interested in this simple matter of theft to call, that he will have to call for the doctor to look at? I don't know. Honorable Quenkari says he's been in that office, so he will tell us why the Attorney General could do that. You know? And so the OSP has gotten into the matter. OSP is investigating. They were in the two houses, one in Cantonments and Abilinkui. But the incident happened at Abilinkui House of the minister and the, and the husband. They said they have found something significant that will hopefully help them in their investigation. So, Honorable um, Quenka, uh, let, no, let me start off with Franklin. Franklin last week said that he, he, wouldn't, he, wouldn't, he, he wouldn't ask the president to do anything because the more he asked president to do, the president to do things. Uh, okay, so Franklin is not on the line. We'll get him back. Let me start with Honorable Quenka. So the minister has resigned. Um, your reaction? And we don't have a culture where people just resign well, like that. But what's your I, reaction? I would, on have, your I would have loved to hear my brother, Franklin, <laughs> on this issue before I come in. But as you have said, we are here to connect uh, to him. That's my very good friend mm. as well. But he's gone away for some time. And mm. I, I, after the show, I am expecting him to show up here and take myself and Clement to a certain location <laughs> for some local dishes. <laughs> for my play. <laughs> so finally, if you are listening, get ready and then come pick myself and doctor out <laughs> right from the show. Anyway, you see, I started um, seeing this. I think I read a Chronicle newspaper or yeah. something mm. that reported the matter that court documents had shown that uh, some money had been stolen, significant amounts of money had been mm. stolen from the residents of the Honorable Cecilia uh, Dapa. And uh, later it was flooded on social media and etc. And so subsequently the office of the special prosecutor came in mm -hmm. and effected arrests and started investigations. This one leads me to something and I'm going to take you through a very brief history of the office of special prosecutor. Okay. Um, as my uh, in-law is aware, it eventually became like my baby because okay. I, I actually superintended he, over he, he the promulgation. Wow. I shepherded the, the promulgation the of the, 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 the Office of Special Prosecutor wow. right from the very day. Wow. It was late to the last day. I Even see. the motion for it to be moved, for, to be adopted and all that, I was privileged to be the one who moved it. Wow. And so I know a lot about that particular office. Sure. You see, even before we brought it to Parliament, I did some tricks. I recall that I went to the U.S. Mm. I was in Washington. I was in New York. And then we met all the top, top people, Kenneth Starr, the, the big, big guys who took part in uh, investigating top scandals in the U.S., mm. you know. And indeed, we had a lot of education. And we met top judges of the U.S. courts mm. and all that. Justice Keenan in his 80s. Still, I mean, very prominent people with one aim to study their system and see how we could, in a way, replicate it in our country. Okay. So if you look at the Office of Special Prosecutor, for example, in most of those countries, it is ad hoc. Mm -hmm. We have a very permanent one that we have actually invited for ourselves. But in most of those countries, it is ad hoc. Ad hoc that, as and when the need arises, then they establish one to look at the issue that has actually arisen. Mm -hmm. And then when it is resolved, that's the end of it. But we have decided to carve for ourselves a permanent office of special prosecutor to deal with corruption and corruption-related offenses. Mm. So even if the office of special prosecutor decides to charge you and then you can challenge it, that the charge under which you have been brought is not a corruption or corruption-related offense, then the court that is trying you can acquit you on those grounds alone. 
and say that you can go because that charge is wrong. It is not a corruption or corruption-related offense. Mm. So when we looked at the U.S. system and how it works and all that and tried to replicate it, there was one peculiar country that I came across, and I'm going to link that to the current case, mm. Singapore. Okay. In Singapore, they have what we call the unexplained wealth order. Mm. Unexplained wealth. What do they do? In, in their unexplained wealth law, they can just come to, to you and pick you up and take you to court. Mm. And there will be a reverse evidence system. Okay. Reverse evidence means that, you know, in, in Ghana, we have, the, we have the mm. adversarial mm. system in Ghana. Okay where the prosecution is required to prove your mm. guilt. Yes. The accused person does not need to prove his innocence. But in the reverse evidence system, which most of the, uh, the civil countries are using, when you are arrested with a goat, they tell you that this goat, you stole it, so prove that you didn't, you didn't steal. steal it. That's, the reverse that, that's what the Ghana Integrity Initiative it, is calling for. Yes, now. so in, in the civil countries, they go to court today and they get conviction today. Mm. If your explanation is, is, is inconsistent with guilt, the court will look at it. If it is consistent with guilt, just that very day, the matter could be disposed of. But ours is adversarial. Mm. You need to prove all the ingredients of the offense before you can convict. So in looking at the Office of Special Prosecutors matter, which we, we actually uh, invite for ourselves and carefully carved it out of Article 88 of our Constitution without acting unconstitutionally, because Article 88 states without any equivocation mm. that all prosecutions are supposed to be done in the name of the republic by the attorney general okay so we had to carve out corruption and corruption related offenses and hand that to the office of special prosecutor because think tanks and other state institutions cso's from 92 had cried out loud that the attorney general sitting in cabinet with colleague ministers becomes like um, a, a, a guilty uh, uh, component mm. of the criminal justice system when it comes to an issue concerning one of its own, then it is not able to act. That was actually the policy rationale mm. behind the Office of Attorney General, uh, uh, the creation of the Office of Special Prosecutor. So that we, we decided that as a people we should carve out, and that was the vision of the president, mm. carve out the Office of Special Prosecutor, make an independent person in charge, and remember that the venerable Kisi Ajebe is just going to be there for six years, after which his tenure of office comes to an end. That is what the act says. Mm. So, generally, that was the purpose. Now, as I told you, the reverse evidence system I was discussing that I didn't finish. In that particular issue, the police can come to you, or the Office of Special Prosecutor can come to you. If you are driving the latest state of the art bench, and you are living in the most luxurious house, they can come to you and hear from you how you earn legitimate income to be able to own those properties. Okay? That's the reverse evidence system. Mm -hmm. So the burden is on you yeah. to establish how you came by that. If you are unable to, to establish how you came by it, then it will be concluded that there are proceeds of crime or corruption. Mm -hmm. And so you can be actually convicted if, 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 if you are tried. Yeah, in the tenor is actually seven years. Yes. Mm -hmm. So the, the point I am making is that as of now, the um, Office of Special Prosecutor is trying to implement that in a way because they have asked that the Honorable Sierra Abnada Pass would fill a form mm -hmm. to indicate her source of income mm -hmm. that led her to get all that of, uh, type of money in there. But you see, 
Isn't that only giving us, again, another tip of the iceberg? Mm. Because not only politicians, but public officers as a whole, do we know what is in their houses? Mm. Probably because this one, it was stolen, and then it, it came, came to out, public yeah. domain. But I have stated time without number that we should not focus on only politicians in matters of this nature. Because there are some public officers who hold certain high positions whose rooms have become banks. Mm. And these are factual. Look, I'm privy to a matter in which in the past, you know, not in the current government, past government, a similar issue happened. But that person who was involved was intelligent enough after getting the person arrested, when the consequences were about to come out, the person abandoned the, the matter. The I'm very much privy to that issue, mm. you know. And it, it happened. It has been happening. <laughs> you know, my, my, my brother, Apak, I, I was just about to say something very funny, and I'll, I'll repeat it. I was confronted with a situation where, you know what was stolen from me? 150 Ghana cities. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 150 Ghana cities. But by a very close person to me, who was supposed to be providing me with security. So the security, your, your security has cost oh, you 150 I mean, 150. <laughs> you know, anytime I mention it, anytime I mention it anywhere, people laugh. They say, I, so it means you didn't have anything, all you had was 150. And I said, yes. Even no, the but you stole it in the car. After this, if you, if you give me a, 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 a bottle of Coke, I'll tell you how the 150 was stolen. It wasn't even stolen <laughs> as cash. It was stolen electronically oh. from my phone. And it wasn't money on my phone. Even I was, I, I mean, I had to be indebted when the money was stolen from my phone. Mm. You know, very funny, as it sounds. But what am I struggling to just tell you? You see, sometimes when there is change of government, mm. it's very interesting. Some people deliberately from the security, they'll be rushing to you that they want to be your bodyguard mm -hmm. and etc. Mm. They are not coming for any good of yours. Yeah. They think that it's a gold mine, they'll come and harvest. Some people come to save you, not because they want to save you. They think that they've seen... They, oh, they discuss among one another that mm. if you are saving a politician, you don't steal from him, you won't get anything anyway. Mm. So they steal. If you, if you expose yourself and you let them know you have, they will steal from you. Mm. These are facts. Somebody is struggling to make ends meet and he enters your room and he sees sacks of money mm. and he wants to, to live a decent life. He knows that if he fetches part of it, you won't even detect it anyway. There is no rational person in that circumstance who will not be tempted to take it. Mm. Especially so when they will also be suspicious of the fact that you yourself didn't even get it through any, any, right. any, any credible means. So it will expose them to all those sorts of dangers. Mm. The only thing, if I relate to the Honorable Siabina, the past case, is that I'm very careful not to, because I'm a lawyer. Yes. I don't want to jump to any conclusion and pronounce guilt mm -hmm. on her at all, because it is early days. Remember that the fundamental principle of law in our legal jurisprudence is that do not condemn a man before hearing him. Mm -hmm. The odi ultram pattern rule of natural justice, yes. that before you condemn a man, you must hear, hear him. him. And you know that it has biblical inclination, mm -hmm. that even before God Almighty pronounced judgment on Adam and even the serpent, he listened to them. Mm -hmm. He asked Adam, where art thou? Have you eaten of the fruit that I forbade thou from eating? He said, I did. And then he gave an explanation that I was actually deceived by the woman into eating the fruit. And then the woman was accosted. Mm. And the woman put the blame on uh, the, the serpent. serpent. Then God convicted them, having heard them, and pronounced punishment. 
You man go till the earth and suffer to be able to feed. You woman go become pregnant for nine months, suffer before you give birth. You snake go without legs. So before you pronounce judgment on any person, you must be careful to have heard the person. Mm. The Honorable Cecilia Abner, the past story will come out. She will tell us her means, her source of income, and etc. to justify it. You cannot say that the mere fact that money has been found in bundles in her house, she is therefore guilty of any corrupt act. Mm. Because remember that until this one, the money was discovered, there has not been any allegation of corruption against her, mm. to the best of my knowledge and belief. Mm -hmm. So she can say that it's legitimately earned income. And the explanation will be proffered to the appropriate state institution. Mm -hmm. It is for them to decide whether or not the explanation given is justifiable enough under the circumstances. Mm -hmm. If it is not justifiable and they have further evidence that can lead to successful prosecution, they will mount that prosecution. Because you see, if you go to court and you make an allegation or you bring up a charge against a person, all issues will fall in. And then you have to prove every ingredient of the offense that you have charged the person with. Mm. If you charge a person with corruption, you should be able to prove that the person acted in a manner as to have benefit using the office and etc. in a manner that was illegal. And in doing so, you need to bring witnesses to testify. You need, and so your investigation will have to be thorough enough to establish the offense. I've heard in one of the uh, platforms, and, 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 and a number of times by many people discussing that, uh, one of the sources, as she has stated, is that the money belonged to the late brother. Mm -hmm. Now, if I tell you that money belongs to my late brother, for example, how are you going to be able to establish whether it did not belong to my late brother? Because mm -hmm. he's dead anyway. Yeah. So, first of all, you are, you are going to hit an impregnable barrier in your investigation. Because that alone can foreclose all the issues. Because remember that even the law says that if, if you are charged with a criminal offense and you die, that is the end of it. Mm -hmm. Unless you can mount a civil case out of it. So if the person is dead and it is true that the money, it is true or not, you cannot have any way of verifying from the person that, look, the money belongs to you or it doesn't belong to you. So for me in this particular matter, what I see is that it would be very difficult for the state to be able to establish credible charges that will convict her as a matter of fact in terms of crime uh -huh. with respect to this matter. But we wait to see how it will, it, will, it will span out. But remember also, as I indicated, that one of the things that we've not pursued as a country which can help us fight corruption is what I told you, again, the reverse evidence system. Uh -huh. Salam, let me tell you one thing. You go out there and you see young men 23, 24, 25, school dropouts. They can pay myself and you for the next 50 years. Mm. They drive in the flashy of cars, and they live in the most rare, luxurious apartments in certain areas in Accra, prime areas in Accra, and all that. But if you ask them what legitimate business they are doing to be able to earn income, to live such lifestyle, they cannot explain to you. Is it not time as security agencies the NIB, the police, the Special Prosecutor's Office, EOCO, and other state institutions sat up strong and brought up this issue for national debate and discussion. Because most of these people I have mentioned, who are young men without professions that you can nail them, that this is the reason why they have been able to make the money. We see them all the time on the streets. I saved myself and you, the school we went to, mm -hmm. we wasted our time. 
And some of them tell us that, mm -hmm. who are you? I can pay you. Yeah. You ask them what legitimate business you are doing, they cannot explain. I think that it's about time that the Attorney General, without further delay, goes to ensure that we, 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 we come out with an amendment to the Criminal Offenses Act on unexplained wealth, particularly if we want to fight corruption and take it to another level. Unexplained wealth is one credible area that we need to look at without further delay. Mm. Again, Salon, when the issue came out and people started talking about it, the mere fact that you are keeping trillions of dollars in your house will not constitute an offense. Mm -hmm. Because there is no law, no law in our books that you would have flouted. So again, as a people, if we think that those occurrences have become one too many, and are conduits through which people perpetuate crime because we have not legislated, then that means there's a lacuna in our law. And you know that laws are made to fill those lacuna. You know, whenever there's a lacuna in the law, then the people in society will have to make a cry aloud. Then you make a law to govern that situation. Mm. Remember that we have history to guide us. And anytime you make any law, then the law is being made because you think that at that point in time, no, look at the Electronic Transactions Act and other such laws. 30, 40 years back, they, they wouldn't have been necessary. Yeah. The cyber crimes and other offenses and, and their acts that guide them and all that are because of evolution of time and modernization and modernity that we have come to live with certain things that hitherto did not exist. So we make the laws to fill in those lacuna. So if we find that it is becoming one too many, that we are discovering cash in quantities that are frightening in people's houses and we do not want that to happen legislation is the way to go mm. we go to parliament and legislate that if in a person's house a, a particular amount of money is found then the person commits an offense is liable to uh, on summary conviction to imprisonment for up to this or to a fine of this or to both if we have to do that to curtail it then we have to but for now there is no offense committed by merely keeping such an amount of money in your house you may have all the outrage you may have all the condemnation, you may have all the reprehensible comments and etc. But no crime is committed if a person keeps such cash in the room. Mm -hmm. If we think that we want to criminalize it, the best way to go is to go to the legislature and ask for an amendment to the Criminal Offences Act to make it an offence through the Office of Attorney General. Otherwise, for now, it is not an offence. And again, I urge all of us in our commentary not to hang the person, the person. before the person is heard. Let us wait, let the processes go through. If at the end, guilt is established, we can run better commentary about the person's character and integrity. For now, it can be a legitimately earned income. Remember that I've heard the story, she's a hotelier, she's been deputy minister under Kufour, and she's been minister under this government on two occasions. She does other businesses and all that. It can be legitimately earned income. Mm. Let's wait to hear what the investigations will come out with. We are told, again, something significant was found. And I want to say something to my brother, who was my mate in the university, in the first degree. Even though I didn't do law in the first degree, where where university Kisi. There appears to be something, and I want to plead with him. When he was nominated, I was one of the persons who shouted to the top of the roof that it mm. was the most appropriate appointment, academically and professionally, and in terms of experience, he was cut out for the job. But there appears to be some level of criticism in the mode and manner of execution. Look, most of these things should be done very quiet, and you should make your moves in manners that it's out of the public's eye. 
No, and they also if, bring us results. If it's going to run a search in the house and the media gets wind of it and goes there. No, that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if the Office of Special Prosecutor is going to do its work and carry it out well, the media will not even know that mm. it's going to do A or B. Because if police are going to arrest or search somebody's house, we don't have media there. Mm. So unless somebody from the office deliberately leaks it to the media. You see, because one thing is that if you don't take care, you would sell the person out in the court of public opinion and get the person convicted and sentenced even before the person goes through trial. Because again, you, you've stated that they're saying something significant has been found. Mm. That will give room to all forms of speculation. Because remember that I saw something, and, and I, I knew it was going to be false, and it turned out to be false. That they said, for five hours, special prosecutor was counting money. Mm. The officer. <laughs> I mean, of, 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 of Abena. And when, when I cross-checked, I knew it was false, and when I cross-checked, it was false. Mm. You know, and when you say for five hours you are counting money, you know what that means? A lot of money. And again, public anger mm -hmm. will, be, will be directed so, at so, her. So indeed, even uh, before the, she's, the, she's, the, she's former, the former special prosecutor, uh, Martin Amidu, is altered a document. Uh, I don't know what I'd call a press statement or whatever. And he appears to be saying that we may be hanging the former minister, you know, unjustly because nothing really has happened yet. And that it's a presumption of innocence. And we may be eroding that presumption of innocence. Let me quote a portion of it. He said, Kisei Jabin oh, by publicizing yes. I mean, pa yes. I mean. the supposed arrest of Cecilia Dapa, who had just resigned her office as Minister of State, was eroding her presumption of innocence and deepening the perception that the former minister was guilty yes. of an unstated offense before she could even be investigated for a specified corruption offense. Yes. And he, he thinks that there is some populism in that. So he goes ahead to say, populism has no place in law enforcement. Yes. Law enforcement is a serious and impartial business as it deals with upholding the constitutionally guaranteed rights and citizens, uh, of rights of citizens expected of the commission of crime during investigation. And he also says that it is unethical to deploy law enforcement in aid of public hysteria. Yes. and emotions before yes. the establishment Absolutely. of premier fasci evidence pursuant to an investigation. So this I, one, I, I agree uh, with uh, the Venerable uh, Amidu totally on this one. Martin I agree Amidu with him. Is, is, I, is I just, I have nothing more to mm, add. Very well. If, if not, what will happen is that, Salom, you get out of here and then you are alleged to have committed an offence. You are convicted by the Court of Public Opinion and the security agencies. No, 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 but, but the point is, he must do his work. you are given an opportunity he, he, must, he must do his work too. And, and I'm saying that yes. in doing your work, mm -hmm. You have to be mindful of the constitutional injunction mm. that so the person you are dealing with, the person you are dealing with is presumed innocent. Yeah. Is presumed innocent until proven guilty, or the person has pleaded guilty to the charge. Mm. That's very very important. So there are two components: either you plead guilty, mm -hmm. or the court proves you uh, finds you guilty at the end of trial. Mm. If none of this has been done, then the person is presumed to be innocent mm. until that, that has been done. So what is the, what's the presumption or the effect of the presumption of innocence? It includes even fair trial. What is fair trial? Yes. If you look at fair trial in the Constitution and what the superior courts have said about it, it encapsulates a lot mm. from the very moment of arrest through the moment of interrogation, through to prosecution, and to, it's all part of the issue of, I mean, running commentary about the person's guilt even before trial. I mean, it's against the principles of fair fair trial. It can prejudice the person. That is why people, sometimes judges, put a lot of orbiter in their, mm -hmm. in their judgments. And 
They listen, if you listen to radio commentary or TV commentary, and as a judge, you don't take care, you'll be compelled to import that. And they use that as a basis of anger to convict an eater to uh, innocent person. So it involves, criminal justice involves a lot. At the end, yes, you have to prove it. You, you have to prove that that money you found was proceeds of what? Crime. She mm. doesn't have to prove that what, the money you found is clean money. Mm. Even though you are telling her to fill a form to tell her means, you have to prove that you found money and the money was proceeds of crime. Mm. She doesn't have to prove anything at all. If she has to do anything, she needs to just raise doubt mm -hmm. in your case. And raising doubt is to just punch holes and, that and doubt say that, be is, I mean, the money that you have you are found, part of it belongs to my late brother. The other part, I got it from maybe my hotel business or I got it from this or that. Point is very clear. At the end, let's allow due process. If there's any crime, as of now, remember that the special prosecutor hasn't charged her. He's not charged her, yes. As far as we know. As far as we know. If they can, if, they have, if anything has been done at all, it's caution. Mm -hmm. They'll take a caution statement from her. It is after establishment of the ingredients of an offense that they will then charge her mm. and then put her before court. We are nowhere near there. Mm. So if we put her in public uh, opinion court, try and convict her and, uh, and she's innocent, sometimes when she's even walking on the streets, there's public anger mm -hmm. directed. And so right. we should be cautious and careful. Mm. Let, let me come to Franklin. Fra Franklin last week said he, he, he didn't want to ask the president to do anything. Because anytime he asked the president to do something, <laughs> he, 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 he does, he's to respond he, to what, what, he's to So Franklin, whilst you were away, your good friend, Honorable Kwenka says that after the program, you should meet them somewhere yes, and, yes. And, and take them out for lunch. He, he, because he, it's been a long time. He, he has built you. And, and you've been dodging. To, so, to, so, to sponsor so, like that's a charge you must respond to. But Franklin is my good friend too. We go way back. So they said you've abandoned them. Now life has been good for you. So you've, you've abandoned them. So that, that's a charge you must respond to. Yeah. All right. Well, not at all. We'll, we'll do as, 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 as directed. Yes, oh. very much. Yes. So very well. So uh, back, back, on to the, back to the substantive matter. So Cecilia Dapa resigned. That should really be good because we've not had a culture of people resigning in this country. I don't know what else she could have done, but others would have uh, held on to their position because they've not been charged. As far as they are concerned, they've not done anything wrong. Uh, there's no law they've broken. They will, they will still be in office. So she resigned. Maybe she was advised to do so. We don't know. But what is important is she's resigned. Now, there are people who think that the way and manner the investigation is being carried out may be eroding the presumption of innocence. No, she's not been charged. As far as we know, keeping money in your house is no crime. We've not demonstrated or we've not proven that the means of getting those monies were illicit. Yes, still, she appears to be... Uh, she, she appears we are crucifying her. And people like Martin Amidu think that that is improper. And the way the Office of the Special Prosecutor is going about this may not be the right way. What do you think? Well, first of all, I think that the decision to resign, uh, the decision to resign was not only in her own interest, but I think the, she probably sacrificed for the entire party. Don't forget, when matters of this kind uh, happen, okay, um, you know, the deluge of information that is out there, the contortions, the suppositions that are made, if you do not take care, if you, uh, you know, we are human, if you do not take care, you could break down, especially if it is really the case that you haven't done anything really wrong. So all the international media, the exposure and all of that, I'm sure the government felt or the president felt, well, well, maybe... Uh, he was going to wait for her to resign, or maybe some pressure might have been brought on her. 
But ultimately, she made a decision, and then uh, that's what we know so far that she made a decision, resigned, just so that she could uh, save some 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 sort of sanity for now, while the investigations continue. So for me, I think her decision to resign was welcome. I, I don't I don't fault her at all. Um, if she remained in the office, I think that the house would grow louder, and the hounds will come after her. And the hounds being those in public in the public. That are obviously, um, and, for, and, for, and, for, and, for, and for good measure, maybe justified in doing so because of the levels of decadence and maladministration we've seen, not just with this administration, but successive ones. So um, I think she took the right decision. And uh, as, as rightly stated in, the, in both letters, she believes that she will be cleared at the end of the day. Now, to the matter of the socialist prosecutor, I, you know, Again, I'm a bit um, I'm a bit restrained to to probably talk about her modus his modus operandi. But let's not forget that during the reform batting debacle, he did say that look, he didn't invite the media. He has never invited the media on on any occasion when he's invited persons, and that he's even surprised that uh, the media would have had information wind of what he was going to do before it happened. So in this Celia Dapa matter, I would think that well maybe the the story might have been let out from uh, from his office. Someone might have let it out to the media for the media to follow him there. Um, I mean that's the only way I can judge him. I do not think that he must have deliberately asked the media to follow him. I don't think he would do that, given what he said of uh, the Frippon Barton matter that he doesn't do that and that there are time time times without number that many persons that have been invited to his office uh, he only gets to see the media at his doorstep so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that but as far as it goes uh, he must also ensure that uh, and I'm sure he knows better than any of us or probably uh, equally as most of your I mean uh, Joseph and every every lawyer that uh, persons who are accused are presumed not guilty until actually proven guilty. And as I've said, and I think I said last week, uh, there's no conclusive nature. I mean, there's no, there's not been any conclusive, we've not reached that conclusive, uh, we've not been conclusive as to whether she indeed has uh, quote unquote stolen money or not until the investigations are really over. But of course, as I said last week, and I'll repeat again, but the optics of these kinds of sums being reported to have been missing from your home as a public officer clearly raises eyebrows. And I equated, I mean, I brought to bear the, what was that, the South African president's investigation that are still ongoing because some money was found missing from his fund. These things are important for the purposes of uh, good governance. So really, um, investigations must continue. I, I think the OSP uh, must be well aware of the limitations within which he has to work. And so uh, maybe I'll cut him some slack now, given the fact that he's made some very good remarks concerning media attention on, on investigations since he's been involved with. I do not think he personally must have done that. Mm. But uh, what do you think will account for uh, the way the public is commenting on the matter, social media especially? As we've oh. said many times, there's no rule, clear rule that she might have broken but it appears the public is actually uh, pronounced her guilty already. For what offence? Well, sure. well, well, I intimated not long ago. One of the reasons why this could be happening is at levels of decadence, the suspicions, the 
And don't forget, this is not, I mean, we've had cases of uh, near collusions and corruption. And so there's the perception, which I suspect is feeding into this particular narrative. So that's one. Um, the other part really has to do with what I suspect many, many people, and I've seen many young people, um, not so well educated, really, I mean, formally educated, making rather sound arguments that look, if we were told that we should not keep money in our homes and that we should bank because the banking system needs to be uh, supported, or I mean, or the risk to say, put keeping money at home, how could people who are more learned than ourselves, right, be keeping money in our homes? Someone can even stretch the argument to the third layer about the DDE, the debt exchange. Is it possible that he might, she might have had insider information ahead of the debt exchange program? And so decided to keep her money in her home. So, so it leads people to make all kinds of invitations. So the public square is guided by three things. One, the obviously, you know, the obvious perception and to some extent, some reality that some levels of corruption really occur uh, during the of governments. And indeed, under this administration, there have been reported, I mean, incidents of contracts uh, being inflated or contracts not done properly and people making money. Um, just listen to the likes of uh, Kevin Taylor and the things he say. Well, whether grounded in fact or not, it's actually fed on the, it's feeding on the fact that there are instances where, I mean, clearly, uh, there have been there have been there have been some collusion and contract inflation, and which is responsible for that. Second, and again, I'm just repeating myself, is the fact that if all learned persons and elites really are supposed to be helping the system uh, in terms of as far as banking goes, why would learned people be keeping money under their pillows and asking all of us, educated and uneducated, to keep to bank in the system to keep the banking system going, right? And of course, the third one, uh, which again, some people are permitted to make those extrapolations, is that, well, is it possible that many ministers and public officers had wind of this DDE program and so decided to put um, money in their homes? Oh. In fact, and, and so again, you extend, and the other matter which really doesn't help uh, anybody right now, essentially, is that these are risk. Uh, I mean, she's. What has happened actually is, is has risen has risen the risk profile for all public offices, and so people will start looking to them with suspicions, and that's not healthy, you know. It's not healthy. Not long ago, some people were saying some ministers' uh, money, millions of dollars, uh, was burnt in his house and all kinds of things. When people start making those allusions and uh, alliterations, then you are in you are in real trouble because even though they may not be grounded in fact. They may not be exactly. That's the point. So that's the only reason why these matters have been discussed. I certainly would never call to see that by teeth because I don't have the grounds to do so. Um, I can only make inferences from what people are making uh, of the case. And of course, as a, as someone who watches the space, I can tell you that well, look, no one really is a saint until you are really caught. Uh -huh. But as a public officer, obviously your conduct must be above reproach. If for the simple fact that the things we've been hearing, oh, the money belonged to the late brother, the money was moved from the late mother to the late brother. I think my friend Paul uh, gave a very interesting storyline, which was which sounded more like cantata, really. Uh, but again, you'll be happy to hear you. Say oh, that. oh, no, 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 no,
was actually engaged in the grand storytelling, and I loved it, really. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that his, his supposition that, yes, the money moved from the late mom to the late brother, sorry, from the late mom to, to, the, to, to Madame Cecilia, um, however true that would be, um, you know, people see through the folly and say, okay, but why not bank it? Especially because there's been probably some uh, disagreements over who should actually keep the money. What would have happened if somebody, as, as it is now, the money has been stolen? Mm. Then what what would have happened to the legacy of the brother? I see. Or the see, so these are the methods that are before us. Very well. <clears throat> let, let me come to uh, um, Dr. Park. Your, your side called for the resignation of the minister. She's resigned. Now it appears that the public is hanging here when we do not know of any crimes she's committed. Why are we speaking so, so much about her keeping money in the house when we know clearly that she's not flouted any law, et cetera, et cetera. If not, she's not even been charged yet. She's well, actually supposed to be a victim of, of, of theft. Well, Salom, in fact, I forgot something very mm. significant, and it's important I say it before we, we proceed. You, you know the Honorable Alassan uh, Suhini, yes. who, of course, is uh, a member of parliament, mm -hmm. and he's uh, a friend to you know, your media mm -hmm. network. Yes, yes, a very you know, he lost mm. uh, the mother. Oh. Yes. And, oh, uh, I see. Oh, yes, too bad. Yes. 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 And oh, uh, tomorrow right. is uh, oh. the seven-day adwa. Oh, okay. So uh, many of my colleagues uh, are planning to go. Mm. I have other engagements for tomorrow. If not, mm. I would have gone. Mm. I lost my father-in-law, but mm. the funeral is going to be somewhere in uh, in November. Okay. So Our let me use this yeah. to console him okay. and uh, the entire uh, family mm. um, and you know, he happens to be an in-law as well. I see. The, the wife's uh, mother mm. actually comes from my holy village. And the wife is of, a very good Dominga friend. Is my very good as friend. As well, mm. yeah. She also has some relationship to this uh, media yes. network. Mm. Um, so we are, we are with him mm. uh, in prayers in these uh, yeah, very, very difficult times. Yeah. Several of our colleagues would go and, and the party too uh, will, will be there. Um, well, Madam says that uh, she's watching. My, okay. My wife. Wow. So nice one. She's, so then, then, oh, okay. she's, she's home today. So okay. I see. I think it's good. And the kids are <laughs> you, you, you better be here. I don't know watching. So I'm here well. I'm here well. Otherwise, after this, so, so far, I'm here well. Okay. You drive around the crowd. <laughs> so, no, Sunday. Tomorrow is a much more serious day. It's my fufu day. So okay. I'm here well so that so I'll, be, I'll, I'll be denied my, my Sunday fufu. I see. So, Matilda, nice I will one. greet you. All right. Very well. And we console her as well. Very well. Good. Losing a parent is not a small matter. Sympathies. Yes. Salam, the reason why this Cecilia de Pa issue, mm. you know, now it has been designated as a saga, mm. has captured public attention and has uh, spinned all kinds of narratives is because of who she is mm -hmm. and the position that she occupies. If it were you, it will not elicit the same level of public discourse. Mm because you are a private individual. You are not a public officer. You were not a government appointee. You didn't occupy a portfolio mm. that, you know, had the level of attention and resources mm -hmm. available to you to use For in dispensing public. your responsibilities. Mm -hmm. but, but when you have a report as uh, was brought to bear by the, the Chronicle, indicating that uh, 
a, a case was filed and that a court case was in progress to the effect that a, a million dollars mm -hmm. foreign currency, uh, 300,000 euros, and uh, I believe I'm looking at uh, the, the, the documents here. The, the, the charge sheet. Uh, the charge sheet. And it talks about 350,000 mm -hmm. Ghana cities had been stolen from the residence of a then sitting minister at a time when we are facing the kinds of economic challenges, mm. at a time when the public had become very cynical in terms of the propriety of public servants and whether or not we are using their resources for their good, you can understand mm. the level of fury that would welcome such a, a, a report. Now, it is good that she has resigned, and we credit her for that. But resign for what exactly? But, because she did nothing wrong, but, really, if, if that's but, what the point is. But the point I'm making is this. Mm. Yes, by law, she didn't do anything wrong. Mm. The fact that these monies were stolen from her room in itself does not constitute a crime. Mm. As uh, the former Deputy Attorney General has indicated, mm. we don't have a law that says that you don't have the right mm. to have monies, whatever quantity, in your abode. Mm. We don't have a law against that. So on the face of it, she has not committed any offense. But you see, as I said earlier, depending on who you are, what you do, and the way society sees you, and the way society conceives the role that you play makes a difference mm. in the type of interpretation, conjecture, name it, speculation, that such a discovery would emanate. Mm. I understand those who have argued that she is, in this case, the victim. Mm -hmm. And rather than us focusing on those who perpetrated the crime against her, we are actually roasting her and we are passing judgment. I understand that argument. But you see, the other argument, which is the argument of the public opinion, mm. is that, first of all, she ought to have known better. Mm. Given where she is, who she is, and all the other attributes, good, that we hear about her, she shouldn't be somebody who should be holding quantums of money in her private residence, mm. when she has access to a bank where she could have gone to deposit these monies. So what is it that constrains her from putting the said amounts in the bank? And you cannot fault people for speculating. Yeah. So some have speculated that one of the reasons, possibly, which may have prevented her from taking these monies to the bank is because the monies may not have been earned in a way that can be explained to a bank. Mm. Well, whether you like it or not, that is the argument that some are making. Yes, is it that it was a funeral donation, mm. as some have speculated? Is it the brother's money, as some are saying? Is it joint resources legitimately 
earned by her and her husband. Her architect husband. Is it money that has, has also accumulated over time in her work as a, a hotelier and other private endeavors that she may have undertaken? Is it also money that may have come to her as a result of kickbacks? Some are speculating. Mm. Because if you look at her ministry and the, the type of resources allocated to her for her to do work on behalf of the, of, of the public, so all of these are speculations. So until we really get to the bottom of the investigation, these speculations, I beg to say, will never go away. Mm -hmm. They will also go away because we live in an overtly politicized country where in the past, a deputy minister's thought, dream of earning a million dollar cities, <laughs> a million dollars, had led to some serious public commentary by those currently in government calling for freezing of her assets, mm -hmm. calling for her dismissal, calling for her prosecution, calling for her investigation. So if today the actual sum of one million been and more somebody's has dream, been stolen, somebody's dream is has, been, has, been, has been stolen, has been stolen, been found, stolen. which then presupposes that the quantum of money involved is Small. beyond what was stolen. Of course. Because if you look at the narrative on the face of the charge sheet, it indicates that the couple only became aware of the theft. Yes. After they when found the, the, the younger maid, who was mm -hmm. 17 at the time, mm -hmm. had helped herself mm -hmm. into the room of the couple with a spare key. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for her, the husband yes, had come back unannounced. unannounced. Yes. And because there was no lookout, mm -hmm. as we now know from the story, that when the two maids were all there, mm -hmm. coterminously, one was always a lookout, mm -hmm. and one that entered the bedroom. When the other maid had moved on, and the younger maid had decided to continue helping herself. the theft mm -hmm. by helping herself to monies that clearly was abundant, in her opinion, mm -hmm. she had gone into the bedroom without knowing that the husband was going to come. And upon entering the house, he then heard what was described as unusual noise mm -hmm. emanating from the bedroom. When he opened the door, the maid then tried to hide behind the door, and she was apprehended. And it was on the basis of this that, you know, the couple then went on to check, and they discovered that these amounts of monies were not available. So people are even asking the question, so how much was Involved. actually present mm -hmm. from which these amounts were stolen? And logically so, it would mean that the amount of money that was in that room was more than what was And it had been going on between July and exactly. October for a long period of time. So but but, but this was your thoughts there. Yes, look, looking at the, the charge sheet, yes. it says that the period between July and October, October. 2022. Yes, so it was happening be, between that period and Fantastic. it wasn't even detected. Voila, voila. But you see, whilst we can agree that the special prosecutor has let, 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 Hold your thoughts on the special prosecutor. Let, let me take a short break and then we'll come back. This is a big issue on 97.3 CTFM and on CTTV, on Facebook and on YouTube. We'll be right back and continue with Dr. Park on his view on the special prosecutor's work on the, on the saga um, thus far. Don't go away.
Hello, good morning. You're welcome to The Big Issue. The Big Issue is your platform for incisive analysis and riveting conversation. My name is Selom Adunu, and as always, the show is live and interactive. You can join the discussion uh, via our WhatsApp line 0549-986-996, 0549-986-996. As always, uh, the weeks never get dry. This week has been one uh, very uh, interesting and a very newsy one, of course. Uh, we have a story which is, uh, which is led right from uh, the end of last week into this week and still promises to lead into the next week. We also, in fact, both stories. So we have the story of the Adesadeo College or generalizing, the story of the conduct of senior high school students. In fact, three senior high schools and the conduct of their students have come into sharp focus this week, key being among them being the Adesadeo College bullying saga where one student almost strangled the other to death, uh, hurting him, etc. A lot of people, authorities, have waded into the matter. The Attorney General has begun prosecution, the pro prosecution of the matter. The boys, we understand, have been suspended. Housemaster has been suspended because they feel that supervision was lacking. Also, in the War Technical Institute, some three students have been uh, have been in court, one convicted, uh, the other at large, and the other uh, acquitted and discharged for um, beating up their housemaster. How did we get here? Three students beating up their housemaster? What happened? What has become of our secondary schools? And also, on Thursday, Laboni Secondary School, there was some confrontation there. One student went out and brought reinforcement of external hoodlums who came to terrorize the students. That matter, we understand, is also under investigation. There's a lot happening on the second cycle education front. We want to understand what is the cause, what can parents do, what can teachers do, what can education authorities do to ensure that the discipline, as we've known it, uh, is not eroded, if it's not uh, been eroded already. Also, we look at the matter of Cecilia Abnadapa. Of course, last week, uh, we had the incident or the issues that happened. Uh, beginning from the courts where uh, two of the house helps and other people were arranged before the court for stealing what, some $1 million, 300,000 euros, and, and several other things. That matter is since snowballed into something else. It appears the public is no more discussing the theft case, but attention has been shifted onto the conduct of the public officer and how come she had all that money with her. Others have proffered a lot of explanation as to why she had all that money at home, but we do not know. Neither are we suggesting any wrongdoing, but the matter is one that is engaging public's, the public's attention. The Office of the Special Prosecutor has gotten into the matter, raided a resident, did some search there. Office of the Special Prosecutor said that they found something significant. Whatever that means, we will look at that. And a whole lot. It also brings into sharp focus um, the conduct of public officers whether indeed uh, the talk about a code of ethics or a bill to uh, guide their conduct um, is long overdue. We'll look at all of that uh, today. So the president um, accepted the resignation, and so Cecilia Dapa is now a former minister, and she promised to cooperate with any state institution that will be investigating her. And so that process has started. So that is what is on our plate for today. Quite promises to be a very interesting discussion. I'll take a short break. I'll return, provide some updates, 
um, introduce my guest, and then we'll get a discussion underway. Once again, my name is Selo Madunu. This is The Big Issue, and you are welcome to join the conversation. Welcome back to The Big Issue. Uh, the show is live and interactive, as always. Uh, you can join the discussion via WhatsApp line 0549-986-996. We'll be happy to read your comments to, out, to the rest, uh, comments out to the rest of the world. And indeed, uh, we are on 97.3 City FM. Two main issues we're looking at. The matter of um, the indiscipline in our second cycle institutions, the bullying that occurred in our DeSado College, the matter is being prosecuted in court. The gentleman in question is on bail. We understand that the juvenile court is the one, of course, to deal with that matter. Um, the incident at the Watt Technical Institute, where one is being convicted, actually, and then uh, the teacher or the housemaster, you know, who was beaten is getting some um, justice. And Laboni Secondary School, um, some fights ensue between two students. And one of the students, maybe an area guy, or an area student, went to town and imported hoodlums into the school to terrorize uh, the students and his aggressor. That matter is also being investigated. We are asking what's happening in our second cycle institutions. Is, has it always been the case? Is it not being amplified because of technology and social media? Or the kids of today are being pampered. Has that got anything to do with the free SHS at all? Is it that the teachers uh, are no more able to supervise the numbers? And what can be done about that? Do we need more teachers, more supervisors? What can really be done about that? Uh, that is a question we seek answers to this morning. And also, Cecilia Dapa is resigned. You know that now. The Office of the Special Prosecutor is on that matter. The Office of the Special Prosecutor conducted a search in her house or in her houses and issued a statement to say that they found uh, something significant, even though it uh, tried to discount reports that they found a lot of money and that they counted the money for five hours. I don't know how that determination was made, though, but the Office of the Special Prosecutor has said, uh, or trying to, has actually discounted those claims and only said that they found something significant. Whether that is money or that was money, documents, um, we don't know what that is. The Office of the Special Prosecutor didn't say. And we await that office to see what else they will say in due course. What does it say about politicians or people in public office? Why will you keep a lot of money at home like that when we are trying to preach cashless society and all of that? She may not have broken any law, but the question is, was it right? Where did she get that money from? Office of the Special Prosecutor has indicated that uh, the office will conduct a lifestyle audit uh, into the minister's conduct and life. We await what the result of that will be. She believes that she will be vindicated at the end of the day, and we hope and pray that the right things are done. So um, let's take some updates. So a disturbing 
video posted online showed one student locking the arms of the victim and hitting his face against a metal bed, resulting in profuse bleeding below the victim's right eye. Uh, the incident sparked outrage and concern among parents, students, and the public. A brief statement reportedly coming from the headmaster uh, through the chairman of the Parent Teacher Association of the, at the Saddle College indicated that the incident occurred on June 30, but both the perpetrator and the victim initially kept it hidden from the authorities. It also disclosed that both the culprit responsible uh, for the assault and the victim were sent home, with the victim expected to write his uh, West African uh, Senior High School uh, Examination Certificate from uh, the YX Center. The victim was later recalled after public backlash. In response, the Attorney General directed the police in the Central Region to investigate the assault case and arrange the suspect. The incident brought to light several cases of indiscipline and bullying in senior high schools. Uh, there is more in the following report. I'm currently here at Adisada College in the Central Region. An online video surfaced involving a final year student and a first year student, where the first year student was seen being assaulted by the final year students in the video. School authorities have taken action. The housemaster of the school has been asked to step aside, whereas the final year student has also been asked to proceed on suspension pending investigations. School authorities say they are going to stand the authority on the matter. We still await the outcome of their investigations. Students involved in the incident, along with their parents, have been invited to the Ghana Education Service in Accra for further investigation. On Tuesday morning, the Central Regional Minister, Justina Marigold Hassan, accompanied by the Deputy Central Regional Police Commander, ACP Kofi Edu, visited the school to gain a better understanding of the situation and ensure appropriate actions are taken. While the specific reason for the confrontation between the two students remains unclear, sources suggest it might have been triggered by a dispute over a SIM card. Take the cell choke. Oh. The content of the viral video has been described by the Ghana Education Service as a barbaric act of violence that is deeply concerning. The victim could be seen gasping for breath as his colleague strangled his neck from behind him. The helpless student could not defend himself while other students made comments and others videoed the scene. The culprit finally let go of the victim after smashing his face against the metallic bed in the dormitory. The management of the school has since suspended the senior housemaster, the culprit, the victim and the onlooker who videoed the act. GES has commended the authorities of the school for what it describes as swift action. It assures the public it takes a serious consideration of the incident, hence a commitment to ensure a safe and secure learning environment for all students. But a concerned parent of Adisado College who speaks to City News on condition of anonymity argues that there is a total breakdown of law and order as he recounts the ordeal of his own son, who is a second-year student in the school. When you 
the palm trees are going, the month before they left, they will be beating them from morning to the evening. So they will be sleeping in the classroom. Sometimes, even dining, they can't go. The guy doesn't even bath. Yes, uh, they will come and they said they are going, because they have finished doing their registration, they will use the bed and the hook. They will be forced. When they are using the hook, you can see it from the boy's thing. When they tell you to do something, whether you do it or you not, they will when they come in, they come in a group, like 8, 10, 20. So once, you can't do anything. So they will be beating you from any angle. They gave my boy 50 pesos to go and buy water about uh, 24, the thing. And he said, I'm not having anything on me. How can I use 50 pesos to buy 20 water for? The, 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 the only thing the guy told them. How they beat my boy, I was so mad, that is why I called the master. Even the senior house masters, when they are working, what do you mind you said they work with the cattle because they can be attacked. So you are basically saying law and order has broken down in the school? Completely. A former headmaster and independent consultant to the Ministry of Education, Samuel Salamat, believes the incident is an isolated case and cautions against exaggerations. In fact, I have visited 87 senior high schools from uh, 2017 to date. And I, do, I think the person is exaggerating. As for discipline, it has always been there during my time when I was even a student. You see, human beings by nature is egoistic. And we always want to do what we like. And sometimes what we want to do may be at variance of what is the norm. So after disciplinary issues, it will always be there. But to see, to blow it out of proportion, I think that the person has gone rather too far. Okay. But have you seen the video we are discussing? Uh, the video of a yes, secondary school? Yes. To, yes. yes. And what, 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 yes. What, what, what do you think of that? You think it's an isolated case? Uh, I think it's an, uh, I, it's, I can, it should be an isolated case. Because I have been to Addis Abel myself. It's one of the schools I visited. The 87 schools I visited have been there myself. And I don't think that the situation is so there. President of the National Association of Graduate Teachers, Nagrat, Andrew Kabunu, opposes his former colleague Salamat's position as he reaffirms views that indiscipline has become endemic in senior high schools in Ghana today. This is just the tip of the iceberg. This bullying is a regular occurrence in our various senior high schools. It has gotten up because of the downturn in discipline in the schools. But as a matter of fact, bullying goes on in every school, girls' school, co-educational institutions, the one we call mixed schools, uh, boys' schools. But the intensity is on the high side when it comes to the boys' schools. There are several reasons. One, the increase in the numbers. Two, the fact that that resolve that managers of schools had together with teachers to ensure that students conform to the rules and regulations have all gone down. Today, they say don't touch the students. Don't punish the student this way. Don't punish the student that way. And we are not even getting alternatives to these sanctions 
that have been taken away. Look, in a boys' school, we have the code. The code is that you do not report a colleague student when something happens to you. The moment you do it, they say you are dadaba. And uh, or you are a weakling. And no boy wants to be a weakling among his peers. Alright, so you saw that uh, clip there, um, happenings in our disco and by extension our senior high schools. I want to start our dis discussion this morning on that note, um, rising in discipline and bullying in senior high schools. Um, is there a cause for concern and what will be the way forward? Uh, to help us with the discussion this morning is Dr. Clementa Park, Member of Parliament for Bosa South and Ranking Member on the Education Committee. Deputy Ranking, uh, Deputy ranking Member, I beg your pardon, Deputy Ranking Member on the Education Committee of Tell Parliament. Honorable Joseph Penka, who is a former member of, uh, former Deputy Attorney General and former member of Parliament of Timpani. Um, and uh, he's, he's our guest also. Angel uh, Carboni, President of the National Association of Graduate Teachers, NAGRAT, uh, is one of our guests as well. And uh, Franklin Kujo, President of Imani Africa, also on the program. Gentlemen, uh, you are welcome. Thank you. All right, let me start off with you, um, um, yeah, Honorable Penka. Um, it's, it's, we saw this video, but people, a lot of people have the view that worse things happen in schools and worse things have happened in the past. The question is, is it because this was captured on video with the help of technology, social media, etc.? That is why we are seeing it, and so the public is so outraged. Or really, it's something we must be really concerned about is this not a normal thing that happens in schools worse things have happened but we never saw it why is the public so angry is it is that anger a justified one what really did you think when you saw the story Salam, thank you very much um good morning to your good self good morning to my very 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 good uh, brother-in-law <laughs> the honorable dr clementa park uh, good morning to your cherished viewers and to the good people of my constituency, Timpani, I say good morning to everyone. Salom, when I heard the outrage, the anger, the condemnation, and all that people are saying about the video, I asked just two questions. Mm. One, if the camera hadn't captured the incident, would we have ever heard of it? Mm -hmm. An emphatic, no, would never have heard of it. And number two, when we are discussing the incident and we do as if it is an isolated case, oh. we get everything wrong. In fact, and indeed, probably worse things, worse than 100% of what we saw, mm -hmm. may have happened across many institutions that have gone unreported. Mm -hmm. Remember that. This incident, what, what makes it rather nauseating and, and annoying is the fact that when the victim was struggling and then the captor tried to use his head against the bed and all that, there were others who were watching the incident mm -hmm. with and some level of amusement yes. and a video in it, as if it was some kind of a movie mm -hmm. or an entertainment for the viewers. You know, it, it's so painful that you send your child to school, Salom, and the purpose of sending the child to school is to go and learn and become a responsible person in the future just for somebody to engage the child in what happened that day. And that is why, I mean, in looking at it, 
I got a little upset when I realized that even the victim was also punished. And I think the reason was because the victim did not, re uh, I mean, probably re report the incident mm -hmm. as was supposed to have been done. Probably we have no idea if the victim had reported the incident, what would have been the repercussions, what the seniors together would have ganged up to do to him when he comes back to the, the school and all that. So this one will give us an opportunity to put a lasting solution to this particular problem. Mm -hmm. You know, my brother, uh, uh, the honorable member for Bulsa South, is an accomplished academic, and, and he knows that some of these things are daily occurrences, in fact, hourly occurrences in the various uh, secondary schools. And sometimes some of them are the wee hours of, of the night. Mm -hmm. They wake up children and molest them, ask them to kneel down. And I, I recall that some time back, even forcing them to, to drink water excessively as punishment, and asking some to go and carry buckets of water and all that, at midnight, some kind of outrageous actions and, 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 and deeds that have been meted out to very innocent ones who have been sent to school to go and learn and all that. So what we have seen, that clip, and then the other stories you read in your intro are just but a tip of the iceberg. Mm. If we were to have, let's say, a drone mm. or let's say a satellite picture or image of what is happening in every secondary school, the outrage, condemnation, and whatever we are seeing, which is being poured out now, would have been multiplied by a thousand times. Mm. Because I can tell you that what have gone unreported, what we have seen, is just a drop in the ocean. Is it a recent phenomenon, or is it something that has always it's been? It's not been a recent phenomenon. I must be honest with you, mm. um, all of us in, in secondary school, we experienced it in one way or the other. There are two types of, of what is actually going on. Mm. One is for fun, mm -hmm. and then the other is for inflicting pain on others. What we saw was the one that they inflict pain. Sometimes when you go to form one or first year, you find seniors call you, come and kneel down, they pour water on you. I mean, some kind of a jovial welcome. Yeah. That's a, a, a distinguished thing from what we saw, which was an act of uh, barbarity. And if, if you like to call it, uh, I would call it an uncivilized act mm -hmm. that was meted out to that innocent student. Remember that whatever happened to that uh, uh, young innocent student could have led to the death of the student. Yes. It was possible. Look, that crack he had, it could have bled to death mm. or could have gotten infection and it could lead to his death and all that. So what happened was barbaric. It must be condemned in no uncertain terms and it, it, it gives us a clue as to what to do next as a people moving forward. And the clue is that we, ne we need to put in place, probably if we have to put in place a committee to make recommendations as to what to do going forward across board in the country. Even when I saw what, what they, 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 they had also suspended the house master and, and all that, you know, I said that yes, it may be right, but we may be going too far because as a house master, you cannot be there 24 hours seven. And if an incident happens there that has not been reported to you, you have no way of knowing, you know, except to say that sometimes as a house master, you may have to also put in place some of the students are spies, mm -hmm. so that when they get such information, they can come report to you and you take action. Probably it is the case that the housemaster may not even have been aware of whatever took place. It happened at his blind side and all that. So whatever actions we are taking, justified as they may be, for the purposes of correcting ourselves and moving forward, we must take care not to also abuse the rights of innocent persons mm -hmm. who 
did not deliberately act in a way as to be complicit or otherwise in this particular matter. Because in, in looking at it, as I've said, if, if you are trying to correct a wrong, and in correcting the wrong, you create other wrongs, then unfortunately you will lump yourself into the same thing that you are condemning. So it's a very holistic thing we need to look at. And, and, and not to sit down and pretend, because we've acted in the past as though we are ostriches burying our heads in the desert that nothing is happening. But indeed, horrible things are happening in, in some of those institutions. We've had reported cases of, of lesbianism, mm -hmm. practices of gayism, and, and other things in those schools. And thereafter, they carried out hook, line, and sinker home, and then perpetuated it in society, knowing that these ones are things that our society frowns on. So some of the institutions, look, there are even areas where students go to hide to smoke weed. Some of them sneak out of campus to abuse alcohol. Some go to discotheques. You know, until recently when most of the institutions have been walled, a lot of the institutions are not walled. They are open. And so students can sneak out of campus at any time and go cause all that they are going to do and come back at a time that nobody will even be aware of. Anything could happen to such students while they are out of campus. Eventually, the headmaster is held responsible mm -hmm. that the children were sent there to learn. It was out of improper care and etc. They left campus and anything had happened to them and, and all that. So this incident, for me, is good for us. Why? Because it is going to give us a clue as to what to do as a people going forward. Mm -hmm. And as a people, as I indicated, we don't need to sweep this under the carpet or do as we have always done. We talk about it, Selom has mentioned it in this powerful studio, myself and my brother, we talk about it, we do the analysis and we leave this place. That's the end of it. Mm. Then another time we are going to discuss the incident is when it recurs in another institution. If we don't put in place measures to stop it, probably we'll get to a stage where certain things may happen that will have implications of a grave nature. Mm. You, you recall that you have stated that they are initiating criminal prose uh, prosecution of the, 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 the culprit, yes. you know, and because of his age, he has to come under the juvenile court mm -hmm. so that they can even protect his identity. You know, remember that if you are trying a juvenile, you're supposed to protect, uh, protect his identity, yeah. and then he's supposed to be tried before a juvenile court. Mm -hmm. And then you will have the social inquiry report mm -hmm. by workers of the social mm -hmm. welfare department working in collaboration with the magistrate. Mm -hmm to ensure that even if punishment is to be meted, it has to be corrective. Mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't have to be one that is so much of a penal uh, consequence exacted in such a way as to serve as deterrence, but it has to have a, an element of reformation. Mm -hmm. that, that is ultimately the aim when you are dealing with juveniles. Mm -hmm. you know, otherwise, you, you realize that, I mean, even if you look at our own laws, any, anything done by a child of less than 12 years is no offense at all. Yeah. And that's what people don't know. If, if, if a child is less than 12 years, takes, a knife, takes a knife and chooks you, and then you, you, you pass right. on. Yes. It is no offense at all. That's what the law says. Mm -hmm. It's not an individual who is saying it. So the reason why the law says so is that it is thought that at that particular age, the person is too young to know that what he or she is doing is a crime. <laughs> you understand? So, but if, if you move out of that, you are 12 and above all the way to 17, and then you are not 18 yet. You haven't reached the age of majority. So when you commit an offense, you are caught by the Juvenile Act, the Juvenile Justice Act. And when you are being tried that, that way, as I indicated, it is not only the magistrate who will try you. They will have to go, even that young man, when they are going to try him, they will do an inquiry at the house. 
they'll send people to the parents to do an investigation and then also talk to uh, his siblings, people around, people around him and all that, friends and relatives to get more facts about how the person was brought up and if there were lapses. Sometimes uh, the courses could be single parenting mm -hmm. and all that. They will be able to have all, all this. It's about the corrective in the end. Exactly. So in the end, they will come out with a decision that will be corrective. Mm. If they realize that the offense is so disgusting and etc., they could recommend that the person be taken to a juvenile uh, corrective Correct, home. Yeah, center home. A correctional center. We have the junior correctional center and senior correctional centers so that the person goes through appropriate training to reform. Mm. Because ultimately, society, uh, 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 I mean, we, 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 even though that may not be the best, but we live by the principles of Jeremy Bentham, mm -hmm. that you take actions that will be in the ultimate good of the bigger majority of people, and then bring happiness to the larger majority and all that, because you are unable to do anything that will satisfy everyone. So in this particular case, I will say, at this particular stage, that while condemning the incident in no uncertain terms and other related incidents dotted across, including that you've stated in Laboni and in Wa and other areas, while condemning this in no uncertain terms, the educational authorities led by the minister, the director general of GES, and then the GES council, and members of parliament, the education committee, and all those who matter in the scheme of things, the architecture of the educational arena in this country, need to put all our hands on the wheel. And the purpose of it is to ensure that what we have seen becomes either the last or it is minimized drastically across the country. Mm. Otherwise, the next time we may be talking about death of a student as a result of bullying, mm. which we need to avoid as a people. Very well. Honorable um, uh, Apak, um, let, let's look at the response from the school. Of course, you may, you may tell me what you felt when you saw the video at first, being a parent yourself. Um, the response of the school, susp suspending the housemaster or relieving him of the post of housemaster and all of that, and suspending the students involved or even dismissing them, and now the victim you know, having to be recalled to the school, etc. Um, do you think the response of the school was appropriate? What's your thinking around the response of the school? Well, Salon, let me say good morning to you and uh, to our viewers and uh, our two colleagues who are joining us uh, via Zoom. And of course, I must uh, reciprocate mm -hmm. the kind words bestowed on me by my, my in-law, uh, <laughs> the Honorable uh, Kwemka. Mm -hmm. uh, I acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've always had a, a very cordial relationship. Mm -hmm. And he was quick to indicate that as custom demands, uh, he will make my prized dog available to me. <laughs> No, I thought he said he's presenting yes, the dog. Yes. The dog no, no, no. He says the dog is now available. Okay. I you thought he see, said he's giving it to you. Already. It's uh, better lit okay, than, that, than that ever. <laughs> I mean, he also knows that I am the global president of the Dog Meat Eaters Association. Ah, I see. So, you know, that delicacy <laughs> is a delicacy that uh, I don't joke with. But on a more serious uh, note, I think it is also fair that I also make initial brief comments mm. about my reaction mm. to the video uh, when it became viral. Mm -hmm. I must say that I first became aware of it on our platform. Okay. You know, as uh, technology now requires, every group usually has a platform, mm. and uh, that is the same with regards to members of parliament. So you have the platform for the NDC side, the MPP side, and every committee mm -hmm 
also has a, a WhatsApp platform. Yeah. And when I saw it, the level of shock and anger and disbelief mm. was beyond control. And the sentiment on the platform mm. was the same and mm. similar. So immediately we, we started asking questions on the platform uh, as to what has happened. When was this done? Mm. What action have the authorities taken? And I remember that uh, my ranking member, the Honorable Nochu, uh, then indicated that he had already made contact uh, with the minister. Yeah. And the information he had received was that action had been initiated in reaction to the very appalling, despicable video that we saw. Mm. And Salam, make no mistake, in every human grouping, as social as we are, we have rites of passage. Mm. As an anthropologist, it is, it is normal. Yeah. When you are transitioning from one level to another, when you enter the new stage, you are new. Mm -hmm. So there are some rites of passage. Those rites of passage can take all kinds of forms. So for example, um, in Commonwealth, mm -hmm. you know, University uh, of Ghana, I, I, I was we know yes. how the rights of mm -hmm. passage are. Mm -hmm. same, same thing in secondary school. Mm -hmm. So when you get to first year, seniors would say, kneel down. I remember in my case, they would say, sing. Mm -hmm. They would say, dance. There were even times when we were in school that we even actually had what was called the Nino's Night. Yes. And I remember I had to sing and dance. Mm -hmm. These were generally acceptable because the intent was not to cause harm or debilitate. Mm -hmm. Now, that is different from what we saw. Mm -hmm. What we saw in terms of the two individuals, one putting the other in a chokehold, mm -hmm. in a chokehold. Yes. I mean, you could literally see that the victim was almost passing out. Mm -hmm. yeah, struggling. And you would think that at that point, at least those witnesses or, or those onlookers, and even the person videoing, would have try to intervene or to caution the guy who was perpetrating this act of barbarism mm. to stop. But invariably, he was being cheered on yeah. mm -hmm. from, from you know, what you can glean from the video. And then the guy then goes on to hit the victim's head against a metal bed. Mm. The intent was obvious, was to cause harm. And in fact, this could have led into a death mm. or a murderous situation. So let nobody make an excuse about the gravity and the consequences of what, what happened. So let, let's, let's put that aside. And of course, it's condemnable. Yeah. And the level of uproar from society, at least, is reassuring that we abhor this type of behavior. Okay. Now, to the nitty gritties of it, what we then had later on, after the initial you know, reactions to the video, was that some actions had been taken. We had heard that the housemaster had been suspended. Mm -hmm. We heard that the students, both the victim and the perpetrator, the onlookers and the person who recorded the video, had also been suspended. Mm -hmm. I was taken aback. I was shocked because I felt that the cause of action was not proper if for nothing at all, how do you punish somebody who had already received 
this insane levels of cruelty from the hands of a perpetrator. Because you said he should have reported and he didn't report. Mm -hmm. I had an issue with that. In fact, I also had an issue with the decision to suspend the house master. Mm -hmm. For same reasons. Mm -hmm. Because I was a house prefect, you know, in my day in, in secondary school. Mm -hmm. And the house prefect had a role to play. But in all of this, we never even had the mention of the house prefect mm -hmm. and the role that the house prefect even had to play. But granting that even if the house prefect was also mentioned, I wouldn't have thought it was proper to even suspend Suspended. the house prefect, mm -hmm. let alone the house master, mm -hmm. who obviously would not have been aware of the occurrence. Because as Pemka rightly indicated, most of these things would happen on the blind side mm -hmm. of school authorities. And those who have the... And it's not as if the housemasters live, exactly. live with them in the dormitory. Exactly. So I, I thought that that cause of action mm. was, was improper. But how about supervision? Maybe putting in place structures to ensure that things like this get reported. No, no, I, 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 I will okay. come to that. Okay. I will come to that. Mm. But you see, so I raised I raise worries and I made it public. Mm. I had said publicly that... I thought that the decision to suspend the victim was improper. Mm -hmm. And I was calling on the authorities to rescind the decision. Mm -hmm. So later on, we heard that the Deputy Minister for Education had gone to the school. Mm -hmm. This is uh, the Reverend Intim Fajor. Yes. And we heard that uh, you know, the victim had been recalled. Mm -hmm. He was being given medical attention. And a counselor had also been assigned to, to help him deal with the needed trauma. And I, I thought that that was the right thing to do. Now, with the decision to recall those who perpetrated the act. I think that was done to enhance and facilitate the ongoing investigation. Mm -hmm. Because if you suspend them and they are no longer within the confines of the institution, you have no access to them. Mm -hmm. And once you have no access to them, how then do you go about conducting the investigation, including the fact that the lead, the, 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 the the lead aggressor is actually even now standing trial for what clearly we would all agree is an act of criminality. Mm -hmm. This is way and above bullying. But you see, another fact that came to light recently is that contrary to what we had thought, that it was a senior who was bullying a or junior. sought to harm a junior, they are actually Mates. classmates. Mm -hmm. They are both preparing to write yeah, the awasi yes. as, we, as we are speaking. And that then even raises the issue yeah, to so, another so, level. So, so, bully, so they, are, they are mates. Yes. So they were both to write so, the exam. So it now raises the, the issue to another level. And that is why this has now taken the obvious aura mm. of indiscipline. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not just a senior-junior relational power dynamic mm. issue. These are mates. And why would one student from the same class, the same cohort, feel empowered and strong enough with his posse, his group, to be able to perpetrate this act on a colleague at the same level? So that raises serious questions. Could it, could it also not serious be questions. that it's... it's, it's exactly yeah, my but point. could it also not be that it was, let me, for the want of a better word, a play, like, you know, wrestling? No, so no, Zellam. do that and, and, and that's so... Not Zellam, Zellam. Saw, they, they, that's they, not they, what they I saw. That's not what I saw. So maybe he got him at the wrong place. The visuals are so obvious that this cannot be a matter of play. I mean, we all horse around sometimes, you know? So maybe he turned him in a manner he could not defend himself again. He got strangled and in an attempt to disempower him. No, mean, remember that there was a narrative. If you listen to the video mm. carefully, yeah. there was a commentary. Yes. This was deliberate. Absolutely. It was not accidental. It was not horseplay. Yeah. Mm. If for nothing at all, perhaps if your theory was to be taken into consideration, mm. then it will come across as if there are two rival factions. Mm. Perhaps trying to, you know, fight over dominance mm. in the dormitory.
which then could have occasioned that. That is the only other possible explanation. Mm. But other than that, from the face of it, and what we saw in the video, it is clearly somebody who is stronger, more powerful, mm. commands a, a lot of, you know, aura of fear. Influence. His presence is intimidating mm. to all others who has decided to punish somebody mm. for whatever no reason. No, no. For, for whatever reason, we, we, are, we are here to know. We will know the motive behind this yeah. with, with the investigation. So I, I think that the decision to, to bring back the, the victim is, is in the right direction. The decision to investigate the matter is in the, is in the right direction. But you see, there are serious issues regarding discipline. Mm. And I say so because if you look at the context of issues and the fact that this is not the only incident, Salam, we need to broaden this, this conversation. And I think this, again, complements the call for us to have a holistic review around the implementation of the free school policy. Mm. In, in this week, it has come with it certain things that we need to look at and address, which are unique. Mm. One of them, I have, I have argued, is, is the diminishing role of parent-teachers associations. Mm. Parents are no, no longer that engaged as far as school administration and governance and support to the managers of the school are concerned. A lot of parents have not even seen it worthy or they don't find it important to even go to the schools anymore mm. because we have been told that parents no longer have a role to play. And some parents truly believe this. Others have still made it their business to have an interest in what goes on. But their role is now in the background. Essentially, we don't even have parent-teacher associations. We now have parents' associations, which has become voluntary. Mm. So previously where you had a synergy of, of, the, of the parents and, and the teachers working together to try and deal with all manner of issues, whether it is matters of feeding, inadequate accommodation, uh, lack of furniture, to discipline, it is no longer happening the way it should happen. Mm. The other component that I want to bring to bear is the complaints that we are getting from Nagrat. In fact, I'm glad that uh, Angel will be, will be joining us. We have seen instances where students have actually assaulted teachers. Mm. There was a case in the Volta region when a student actually used a sharp metal object to hit a teacher who got serious lacerations on the head. You just mentioned the WA uh, issue. We also remember that some of these students, when they were preparing to ride their WASI a few years back, apparently they are a poor quote unquote. Mm -hmm wasn't there after the first and second paper. We saw what they did. Some, they some went on a rampage. They destroyed property. In fact, a lot of them even used despicable language and words to describe the sitting president. Yes. I remember. Not on only one occasion, on more than one occasion. Mm. We know of instances where students were in exams halls, they tried to cheat. And because invigilators and supervisors tried to prevent them, they assaulted the invigilators mm. and supervisors. We saw an instance where students went on a rampage on campus and went to the headmaster's farm and destroyed all of the headmaster's crops. So the point I'm trying to make is that this is just one example which has come to light because of the use of technology. Mm. But there are many, many more instances of indiscipline that is taking root on the campuses of our various schools. Very and not, NAGRAD members have complained mm. that they are constrained, they are limited, they are incapable of you know, disciplining students 
the way they used to do. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to hear them out. Mm -hmm. Because they are in the middle of the theater. They are there with the students. So what is it that is making them incapable? What is it that is constraining them? What is it that is preventing them from disciplining students the way they did when we were in school? Mm. I remember on my own. I mean, in secondary school, when I, I misconducted myself, and I must admit, I did. A few times, I was made to carry firewood. You know, we didn't even have a monshika at the time, Sandba Secondary Technical School. So I had to, you had to go to the bush and carry the firewood as a punishment. There were instances where I had to fetch water from the borehole to the dining hall. Mm -hmm. When I became a, a prefect in Nandam Secondary School, uh, I mean, uh, entertainment prefect, I remember a few guys who misconducted themselves. You let them scrub the washrooms and things like that. Is it that, you know, it is no longer possible for, for these kinds of punishments to be, to be meted out as, as ways of bringing people who are erring to their senses to let them recognize that what they are doing is not acceptable. In any case, do we have codes of conduct? When these students go to school, are they oriented? Mm. In that orientation, are they giving some material to let them know the do's and don'ts and the sanctions thereof? So I think that in all of this, this conversation, we need to broaden it. But no. you see, let me finish this submission mm. by making an observation. Okay. We are discussing this matter, and even the examples I have given, because of the benefit of technology. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now we have a policy that says that students ought not to have phones on their campuses. Yes. Maybe, just maybe, mm -hmm. we should take another look at this directive. Because one of the ways that we can become aware of these despicable acts <laughs> and to take action is but if they we, come we, to we, us. We will have to examine the merit. No, that's what I'm saying. That. I'm, I'm saying maybe. So because we, we the intention may be right, but in the end, the phones may be used for other things. But in any case, the phones are already there. Distracted, but they know they have to hide them. The phones are already there. But they have to hide the phones. The point I'm making is that the phones are already there. Yes. Right? But they don't. They can't flaunt it because they know it's illegal. But they are illegal, but they are revealing things. Occurrences that he that left to you and I, I think we may, would we not become aware of. So we, we, we may have to look at this, mm. this conversation mm. again Very well. and see if technology itself <laughs> can be deployed. And I Very think well. the issue of deploying spice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would urge every housemaster. Mm. Yes. But yeah, if you want to Chukes. save your position, you need to recruit Chukes. You need to recruit one person per dormitory. Yes. Somebody who would be least suspected yes <laughs> to be your eye and yes. your ears in yes. the dormitory but if they to find, let you if know if what they is find going him on. out you'll be in trouble well that is the other anyway the, the downside so let, of it. yes let, let, let me go to franklin franklin you're welcome to the program um i know you were in pope john's um boys school i'm sure you might have had your time as well but this particular incident we've seen in the video of our disco uh clearly goes beyond uh bullying and i'm not surprised that the attorney general is instituted criminal proceedings against uh, uh, the, the perpetrator. Uh, what do you attribute this to? Is it that it's something that has always been happening and now technology is exposing it? Or you think that there's a general, uh, 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 there's a general uh, uh, increase in indiscipline in the school such that the students are just able to do anything as they please and they don't fear what the consequences could be or would be? Good morning to your good self and my friends in the studio. Um, I, I was quite mortified when I saw the video. Uh, I, I thought what I saw was essentially 
bodily harm. Um, I, I, I didn't think that was bullying. Um, and so for me, that was clearly out, out of the line. Um, and I'm not surprised that the, the, the authorities decided what they did. And indeed, the Ghanaian authorities, in terms of the Ministry of Education, has also decided to take the action that has been taken. Having said that, I think bullying has been part and parcel of our system, right? Um, but that's not to say that it's right that it happens. But why it, it, it becomes physical, where people are hurt, and I think that one we, we definitely need to take action. But of course, we need to go beyond that. Uh, I recall that during uh, our time, I mean, people were punished for all manner of for, for engaging in all manner of acts. But sometimes just but not silly. But you were given portions to read, and sometimes you were laughed. Uh, of course, to the extent that that did not result in some bodily harm, well, we did not complain. But there are forms of there are other forms of abuse which essentially can affect the emotional aspect of every child. And I think those ones must not be looked at critically. But certainly, you know, we can say that we want to stamp out all forms of uh, all forms of uh, you know uh, bullying from our schools. But I think that's a tall order. I suspect that every every school must have its own code of conduct, which I suspect everybody has to respect. But this whole bombastic approach to say that we are going to stamp out ugly from every part of the school, from, from our school systems, is clearly not. I mean, I think we've had all of this type of uh, action before. I think every school must respect its own terms, uh, I say, code of conduct. And uh, beyond just bodily harm, also focus on emotional abuse. So that 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 is even more deadly than this can happen. But certainly, what happened at that saddle was just way out of line. And I think that the guy must must severely punished. I see. But what do you make of the response from the school, suspending everybody involved, including uh, the housemaster? Others have said that suspending the housemaster was very unnecessary. And, and, and because he, he couldn't have known, unless, of course, we are saying that he failed to put in place systems to ensure that this didn't happen or that it didn't arise even in the, same, in the first place. What do you think? Is it, is it possible that there's been a history of reckless behavior in his, in, his, uh, in his house, right? Maybe that might be the reason. Otherwise, I thought that, and I also agree that that, that one actually, obviously, I mean, it shouldn't lead to this suspension simply because of what happened. But it's most likely there's been some reported incident, maybe not been on top of issues. We don't know all of that until the school explained that one. But certainly the action taken against the two students, because I understand the background to this also had, was that the, that the guy who was hurt actually was the one who started the entire um, conflict, right? So to the extent that the school decided to suspend two, I think it is right. But to the extent that bodily harm has been caused, of course, that, 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 that also helped. So I don't think the school was wrong in suspending the two students. Uh, certainly, I wouldn't know what the what must have necessitated the suspension of the housemaster, except to say that, yes, there's been a, there might be, have been a history of these kinds of actions in the house. The, the, the portions of the letter sent to him we have uh, suggest that it reads, you did not deliver, you may be reinstated as head, as housemaster based on the outcome 
of the investigation. You did not deliver as expected of you as housemaster as far as this video is concerned. So maybe as, as housemaster, he was supposed to maybe put in place some systems. I don't know whether, for example, you know, I, I don't know what really it is, but it's, it's quite sketchy from here. And it leaves us worrying or, I mean, wondering what else a housemaster could do, especially as he does not live or he did not live with them in the dormitories. That, that, that is just the, the little... The presupposition, is, the presupposition here is that he did not prevent the video from probably going out. And if that's the case, then maybe there must have been some rules that students should not have mobile phones. Mm -hmm. But if that is the reason for suspending him, that's quite frankly unfair, because he wouldn't know... <laughs> how, how would he have known that students would smuggle mobile phones into their rooms anyway? So I think there should be more to read that testimony. And what it is. I don't think it's fair to suspend him based on the video going up. But that's that presupposition. Like what you read essentially is suggest that he did not live up to the expectation as far as the video was concerned. So they are not even concerned about the fact that some you know uh, some damage done to someone. But rather they are concerned about the video being leaked of the video being taken in the test. That cannot be fair. The, how about a response from the AG? I mean, um, instituting criminal prosecution in this matter. Couldn't the school or the GS have uh, used an internal, uh, you know, uh, corrective or punitive uh, measure to deal with this? Did you have to go through the criminal justice system, in your view? Well, no, politicians are afraid of sunshine. And I suspect the only thing that happened was that the matter became a public one and everybody was talking. Frankly, if you ask me, Attorney General has no duty going around looking for those kinds of uh, cases to prosecute. Because there are other cases not supposed to be prosecuted, wasting everybody's time doing all of that. The schools could have held this, the school and even the regional authorities could have dealt with this matter. But for the fact, for the, for the fact that it became a public, became public and everybody's talking about it, that's the only reason why I suspect it's not there trying to show that it's not captain planning. This is not necessary. These are regional local matters that must be dealt with at local level. I see. Uh, this is the big issue on 97.3 City FM. My guest uh, this morning, Franklin Kudio, President of Money Africa, you just heard. Uh, Dr. Clementa Park, Member of Parliament for Bosa South, Deputy Ranking Member on the Education Committee of Parliament. Uh, the Honorable Joseph uh, Penka, former Deputy Attorney General and former Member of Parliament for Timpani, who is making a comeback, uh, or who is hoping to make a comeback to Parliament in the next election. Uh, and Jacobonu hopefully will join us soon. Uh, we are discussing the matter of uh, indiscipline, uh, the rising indiscipline and bullying in schools. This week alone, there's been three instances, key amongst them being the Adisado College. And of course, that happened, as we know, on June 30, but the video became public uh, this week. And in that video, uh, you could see one student strangling uh, the other. And uh, that eventually led to some injury to the victim. Both students were suspended, but they've been recalled. Housemaster is also being suspended because, as we just read from portions of the statement the school sent to him, uh, he was supposed to have ensured the prevention of the incident, and he failed at that. And according to the statement, he will be reinstated if the investigations exonerate him. Attorney General has begun uh, prosecutions of the matter and we hope to see how it gets. This is the big issue. We'll take a short break, we'll return and delve into other aspects of the Zongori.
Very good morning to you. Welcome back to the big issue on 97.3 City FM and also on City TV. We're also live on uh, our social media platforms on City Tube, on YouTube. Um, your comments, as always, uh, welcome via our WhatsApp line 0549-986-996 and also on 020-444-70322. This morning, we're looking at two key issues. Uh, one has to do with... Uh, what we call the rising indiscipline uh, and bullying in senior high schools, whether it's a cause for concern and what the way forward will be. There's been three incidents this week. Of course, the Adisadel College bullying video was taken, or the incident took place on the 30th of June, but the video became available this week. And we saw in that video a student uh, almost strangling another student. And we, just, we, we, are, we know that they are mates or form mates, both form three students strangled him almost to the point of death and hit his face against a metal bed. You know, he, he, he bled almost immediately. The face, that portion of his face got swollen and he, he, he bled quite profusely. The two students were initially suspended, but they've been recalled. Headmaster, housemaster in charge of the Quay House suspended. Uh, he's not been recalled yet, but he's been suspended because uh, the letter that suspended him says that he did not deliver as expected of him as housemaster as far as the video was concerned. Um, we are generally looking at the incident of indiscipline in schools and also in the WA Technical Institute, some three students beat up a housemaster. One was yesterday also convicted. The other is being uh, acquitted and discharged. One is on the run. Um, so one actually has been convicted. They, were, they beat up a, head, a, house, a housemaster. In Laboni also on Thursday, some fight ensued between two students. One went out to bring some hoodlums from town to come and terrorize the whole school. Uh, what is happening to our schools? Uh, is there something we do not know? Is there something we can do to restore discipline? Or has it been, is it that the case has always, always been the case, but these days because of technology, phones, social media, so we get to see a lot of these uh, as opposed to in the past, what we're looking at. I also look at the matter of Cecilia uh, Dapa. She's resigned. Um, some two house helps stole money from her home, one million dollars, three hundred thousand euros, um, several thousands of millions of CDs, uh, and, and other valuables. She reported the matter as a victim, but now it appears that the public is rather crucifying her for keeping all that money in her house. Uh, we've not really heard much from her, only to say that she will cooperate with the institutions to ensure that the truth is unraveled. We must also say that she said in an initial statement that there were inconsistencies in what was reported in terms of the figures and what was put out in the chat sheet by the police. We hope that all these inconsistencies are resolved so we know what the truth of the matter is. The Office of the Special Prosecutor uh, is taking over the matter. It's gone to her houses, two houses we understand, conduct, to conduct searches. The office has said that they found something significant that they feel will help in their investigation. We really hope that the matter is concluded quickly so we know where the truth is and the country can proceed. Uh, what does it say about public officers, ministers, MPs, etc.? Their conduct, you know, there may not be a law against keeping money at home, but what's the source of the money? Others have proffered a lot of explanations. But generally, uh, is it time we looked at the, the, of the, the conduct of public officers bill with more seriousness and all of that? That we'll discuss uh, in our next segment. So my guests, uh, Franklin Kujo, President of Imani Africa, Dr. Clementa Park, MP Bosa South, uh, Deputy Ranking Member of the Education Committee of Parliament, uh, Joseph Penka, uh, former Deputy Attorney General, and also uh, former MP for uh, Timpani, uh, Angel Carboni, President of the Association of 
uh, graduate teachers will join us pretty shortly, so we take his views on, on that. All right, so, um, gentlemen, we're, we're just um, um, making the point. Um, Honorable uh, Penka, uh, the point is made that the students are more in the schools, and so it has become difficult for the authorities to contain and control them. When we were in school, the whole school was around just 1,000 or 1,200 pupils or students. Now we have schools running in excess of 5,000. You know, how do we control them? What's the matter? How do we handle this? Is there a way around this? Or do we bring in parents? How do we involve parents? How do we involve the various stakeholders to ensure that when we take our kids to schools, I mean, they, they come out better? Hello. I, I will look at this issue holistically. First of all, when we were in secondary school, we had, those days, we had one headmaster, one assistant headmaster, one senior housemaster. I recall very well when I was in secondary school. But today, in the majority of the secondary schools, you have one headmaster, all right, but the assistants are three. Mm. You have assistant domestic, assistant administration, and assistant academic. academic. Yeah. In like manner, senior housemasters, three. Mm. What does that tell you? It tells you that the enormity of the task has increased over time. Mm. And there is the need to expand numbers that will manage administration so as to be able to handle issues effectively and determine them before they get out of hand. So that's an admission. Mm. So if that admission is, is done, then we have to go to the other aspect of it, that is the student aspect, whether even one housemaster without two or three assistants are capable of handling affairs of a house that hitherto would have contained, say, 100 students that may now have about 400 or more mm -hmm. in that particular house crammed in there. So it, it, it brings to the fore the need for us to look at it holistically and probably increase the numbers too of the, the managers of these houses to ensure that there's effective monitoring. Let me digress a little. I went to a police station here in Accra, and I realized that the IGP introduced a new policy in some of the police stations. Mm. You know, we used to just have one commander in some of those police stations, but some of them now, you have about three of them with the same rank as commanders in the same station. And oh. the purpose, I was told, is to ensure that for 24 hours, you have somebody there mm. to give instructions. Because sometimes the man closes and goes home, and an issue arises, there's nobody to give instructions. So the new I think our IGP decided that as a result of that, there's no need to have a lacuna, lacuna at any point in time at all. So at all the time, there must be a head of the entity, even if it is midnight. And I thought that that was a highly commendable mm. thing to do. So can we replicate that in our institutions? And, and, and in, in, I've seen that even in some of the institutions, I've realized that some of the housemasters, there is an apartment in the house there, Housing. and then the person resides in there and has 24 hours guide over the, 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 the students and to ensure that the discipline that we so much cherish is, is carried out. So the increase in numbers, I mean, we cannot run away from it. I've told you that when I was in secondary school, for example, my four mates were, were just about 200 something of us. Today you have some of the schools admitting 1,000 mm. for just one batch, 1,000 students, which used to be the entire population of the whole secondary school, mm. now becoming just one form and all that. So increasing numbers, we'll have to demand that we restructure ourselves in such a way that we also increase the numbers of the managers in manners that will enable us to monitor these children. Mm. Because uh, what is even outrageous is the fact that until the video came out, this thing happened around 30th June. And 
we are to, today is our 29th. In mm -hmm. the video, we started seeing it about three or four days ago. So that for, even for three weeks or more, we never had an advantage of having a look at this video and etc. So it brings to the fore the need for us to have another look. And as, again, as I've said, even if it has to take uh, an education forum to discuss and deliberate on, on matters like this with experts in education to find out ways of, of fashioning out ways of ensuring that we nip these things in the bud. It will help all of us. Mm. Because nobody is, uh, no single person is, is, is an abode of all the wisdom on earth. We need to tap into the experience of a lot of stakeholders. You know, we need um, the education ministry is a key stakeholder in this, the Ghana Education Service, Ghana Education Service Council, the Parliamentary Select Committee on Education. Then uh, you have other CSOs that are into um, uh, education in, in this by edu, EduWatch and other uh, such like um, uh, institutions to all come on board and bring in their ideas so that we can fashion out better ways of moving forward. I've said it uh, this morning and I want to repeat that it is no good all, all the time to just discuss issues when they emerge and then after that we sweep them under the carpet. When they come again then we discuss them. So mm -hmm. what? I think the focus should be on ensuring that some of these things do not recur mm. because we've shown our revulsion and anger towards these things. And to ensure that it stops, we have to put in place measures that will forestall the recurrence of these things in the various institutions. Otherwise, as I indicated, we're going to have a situation where in the next one or two years, a similar incident is repeated we and come a similar back to discussion. It, discuss it, and uh, then after we'll that, go to sleep what? Again. We go to sleep. Mm, you know. so but, but, it, but that has been our conduct uh, as a yes, people and, yeah, and in all faces of society. I agree with you, and we have to change. Mm. If we will have to um, succeed in in turning society for the better, we have to change. Mm. Because otherwise, we just become talk shops when issues emerge. And then after that, we, we are unable to uh, put in place measures that will curtail or ensure that those things do not recur. And, and it will not help us at all in any way. Because mm. what is the purpose of, uh, what, what is the purpose of, um, of, of an incident that has okay that you are discussing? Mm. It is for you to put in place measures yes. that will prevent it from recurring. Mm. That's the purpose. I mean, otherwise, we are not here just to talk and yeah. get out of here mm -hmm. and then drive home. That's mm -hmm. not the purpose. The purpose is for us going into the future. What do we do so that these things do not recur? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we will probably have an issue tomorrow when worst case scenario could happen. Mm -hmm. And then we come to say, as, as, as my, my, my in-law was, was, mm -hmm. was indicating, the worst could have happened. We could have been discussing murder mm -hmm. yeah. as we speak. And uh, fortunately, we, 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 we did not get there. Yeah. So what do we do so that we never get there? Mm. The only way we can never get there is to put in place those measures that will curtail it. Mm. Otherwise, look, I, I even know of an institution, my brother, where students went into that school and divided themselves in, on ethnic lines. Mm. And we're fighting. Yeah. Ethnic wow. lines. Yes, I know, school, school. I know an institution like that. Wow, that's In serious. Upper East. Yes. But on a number of occasions, my, my constituency wow. is a victim of that. that that's, Can you that's imagine that, that's serious. that children in school are dividing themselves into ethnic lines to fight one another? Mm. How are you going to be able to maintain discipline? For a start, they are enemies. Yes. So anybody could do anything to another. And these wow. things happen daily. And they have consequences that could be disastrous to all of us. I so the measures you are talking about that we ought to put in place ought to be done with speed mm. and alacrity Very well. so that these things do not recur. Very well. Uh, let me speak to Angel Carbono. Angel, uh, President of the National Association of Graduate Teachers, joining us on the phone. Uh, good morning and welcome to the program, Angel. Um, good the, morning. 
it's, it's a pity you couldn't join us in the studio, but we, we understand. The, the, the matter is, is, is grown and, and all of that. Now, the, the boy in question is undergoing criminal prosecution, etc. Uh, can you uh, summarize for us what has been your thoughts and Nagrat's thoughts since the video became public to date that the matter is in the bosom of the courts? The boy in question is standing criminal trial. Can you summarize everything for us in terms of what Nagrat and yourself you think about this, especially in respect to the criminal prosecution? Yeah, well, I think uh, this issue has come to the head because a student who is not supposed to keep a phone in school had the phone and recorded the incident. So what it also means, ironically, is that if the student had abided by the school rules, the situation would not have come to the public domain. But it is in the public domain, it has really uh, affected the sensibilities of people. But let me say, and everybody knows, that bullying in school it's not a recent thing. It did not start today. It did not start just yesterday. And when some of us were in school, if mobile phones were present and you could record videos, I'm sure people would have seen worse things. But then, we'll, like, like the Honorable uh, Deputy Attorney General said, we are discussing this thing to find solution to the problem. And because the lives of young people are staged, Children come from various homes in this country, from various uh, backgrounds, with various orientation and training. And they converge in school for the purpose of uh, teaching and learning. Uh, we will have to ensure that that's exactly what they do in school, to come and study. Now, the issues of numbers have been discussed in the studio, and they are right. The schools do not need to have the numbers that they have. Number two, you know, with this free senior high school, very high uh, uh, aggregates have been admitted in school. Uh, people who a few years ago uh, will not have been in senior high school. Now you are having people with aggregate 55 and so on and so forth. Some of them, they don't even know the reason why they are in, senior, uh, in secondary school. And with this system also, you cannot even repeat a student. Because in repeating a student, you'll be told that you are blocking the chance of another group of students coming into the school. So there are um, serious boys and girls who come to school, and they don't know what they are about. They hardly attend classes. They don't write the exams, but they pass through. Now, the numbers are also such that we have not been able to put up infrastructure in within our community. Let nobody take advantage of this situation and condemn boarding schools. No. Boarding schools have helped this country. It has become a melting point on very on, 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 on people who either to have cultural suspicion, cultural misunderstanding of each other. In one school, you like for John, you have people come from the north, you have people come from the south, east and west, different tribes and clans meet together and all these cultural suspicions are melted out. So the boarding school system is good. We need to improve it. The next thing that I'll talk about is the motivation of the people who superintend over the children in the boarding houses. Let me tell you that the housemasters and housemistresses are also classroom teachers. And the difference in allowance 
between a house master and a non-house master is less than 120 Ghana cities a month. Mm. Yeah. But when you go to countries in the eastern part of Africa, house master work and so on and so on are full-time jobs. The house matron work in East Africa is a full-time education job. Mm. But here, the person is a math teacher or an English teacher, and the person will have to add the house duties to the job he or she is doing. And the only allowance difference that he or she takes from the person who does not play this role is 120 Ghana to be. So it is not a full job. It's a part-time job to the main job of teaching. We need to look at that too. Now, mm. how many students should a housemaster superintend over? It will have to be universal across, across the country. How many students will be appropriate? Because we have what we call class size. So do we have dormitory sizes in terms of numbers, in terms of management? That is something we don't look at in this country. Number two, what training? What special training? or in-service training do we have in this country that qualifies a person to become a housemaster or a housemistress. Now, these days, the truth of the matter is that the TTA system has been destroyed. There used to be a very good uh, combination of efforts between parents, teachers, and managers of schools. Today, the TTA is more or less a dead uh, elephant. So that collaboration is weak. And we need to review these issues and look at these issues critically. Mm. So the situation from Addisada College, unfortunate as it is, is giving us the opportunity to really look at the situation of our students in boarding houses and also day and ensure that we have an environment that is conducive for teaching and learning. Very well. The, you mentioned a number of things. One is the numbers. The numbers only suggest that there is there's demand for uh, senior high school. Fortunately, the free senior high school program has made it possible for people who wouldn't have been in school because they did not have money to be in school. So that's a good thing. Number two, you mentioned the issue about the past grades, people with grade 45 and 50 being in school. But once they are past grades, they should be in school. And from the policy uh, perspective of the free senior high school, for example. I understand the whole idea is to make secondary education a minimum uh, education level for, for everybody, you know. So they have to be in school anyway. Whether aggregate 40 or 50, they, they, they have to be in school. So I'm not sure really whether that... Mm, yes. To build more schools. Provide more infrastructure. If you want every child to be in school, put up more schools provide more infrastructure, provide more resources. Because, you see, when you cram a lot of students in one school, education becomes counterproductive. Mm. That's it. You see, education has an objective. When you create a, a situation like we have, the objective is not achieved. The consequences become more dangerous. Mm. Yeah, so if we want every child in Ghana to go to school, I don't have a problem with it. It's a good policy. Build more schools, provide more infrastructure so that everybody can be in school. And you see, the issue of class size is a scientifically researched size. Mm. 
It's a scientifically researched site. So when you go and cram sister students, sister students in one classroom for a teacher, education becomes counterproductive. Mm. I see. So also talk to me about this issue about PTA becoming PA. I mean, parent-teacher association, as we've always known it. It's now become, it's now become a parent association. Why are the teachers no more part of this? What is the reason behind the teachers no more part of being part of the, the PTA? And what implication is that having on discipline in schools? Oh, it is because, it is because of populist political policies of uh, government. Populism and nothing else. Because, you see, the PTA are there for a purpose. The PTA are there to complement the work of the school because parents are a major stakeholder in the education provision of their children. So they will have to participate and be interested in how their children are raised and the environment and the resources with which their children are raised. So when parents come to the school and government is unable to provide adequately the resources, the parents are motivated by the reason of the development of their children to be mobilized so that they can contribute. And that relationship has been very positive all over the years. Look, PTAs are not only in Africa. Go to the United States. PTA are major stakeholders in the education of their children. Well, at the end of the day, we have examples of PTAs putting up classrooms, putting up dormitories, providing resources for schools. But you see, there cannot be any good romance without money. Yes, we agree that there are people who cannot be. There are people who are challenged. Uh, my, my guess I see you are, you are becoming I, 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 a relationship philosopher. There can be no romance without money. I, I see. I'll, I'll write that one down. <laughs> I agree with you. There can be good romance without money. I, I, I see. Quote, unquote. You know, so, so, so please, if the, the fact that there are very poor parents, the fact that there are some parents who cannot pay, it's not enough to break the mobilization of parents using the school as a mobilizing fulcrum. It is there, it will always be there. Mm. Parents are, look, we have a licensed parent who are more than happy to contribute to the sustenance of the school their children went to. So please, there is a need for us to allow that system to operate so that they can help. Another one is old students. Look, people have gone to school, they have finished their school, and yet they are contributing to the school. When you hear that a school is having a top-class computer lab, let me tell you, it is either the parents who contributed or the old students who are mobilized to contribute. You know, so let us allow the schools to operate and have confidence in the managers of the school to be able to mobilize parents, to be able to mobilize old students, to be able to mobilize the community. The schools cannot be run from the Ministry of Education. The school cannot be run from the headquarters of the Ghana Education Service. School is a community issue. 
I see. Now, people have also spoken about the punishment regime, the fact that there's no corporal punishment anymore, students, we understand, do not weed anymore, etc. You, you are in the schools. Uh, what is the situation in respect of uh, the punishment regime? Oh, uh, let me change the word from punishment to sanction. Okay. Uh -huh. Because, you see, um, proper punishment, the Ghana Education Service thought that it was outmoded and it was inflicting physical injury on the students. But the way and manner it was taken out, without making a very an effective replacement, so as to deter errant students from misbehaving, created a lacuna that we have not filled as we speak. For example, a student who is supposed to be in class, because the school is close to the seashore, decides to go to the sea to sleep and come to school. Now, and I'm talking practically, and this is a real thing that happened. When I was teaching in that school, at that time, there was the teacher who came. I lined those students up and gave them six, six lashes. I can assure you, throughout their stay in school, they never went to the future. One is now a reverend father who has a program before I have forgotten. He said, hey, but for this man, I will not be where I was. Then he told the story. I am not saying that we should laugh, but we need to have punishment enough to deter students from truncating their own future. School reopened. A child takes money from the parents and never comes to school for two weeks. When that child comes, you don't just send that child home. You need to punish that child for that child to know that there is a pain to earn when I misbehave, all in the interest of the, of, of, of the development of that child. Mm. Allow the schools to develop together with the parents, sanction regimes, and we expect it. Look, there are still some schools in this country you cannot mess up. One of the schools is uh, uh, Francis Xavier in Ewa. Another one is North Dam. Another one is St. Jake's. Another one is uh, uh, Franklin's own, own school, St. Mary's Lolobi. Another one is St. Rose. How come that you don't go to these schools and mess up? Because this school is owned and controlled by the Catholic Church. And they have maintained their sanctioning regimes. Oh. How come that all other schools cannot replicate this type of discipline? I see. That, that's interesting. So I, I'll come back to you a bit later for your view on what we should be doing uh, as the way forward. All right. So let, let me come to you, uh, uh, Dr. Park. Yes. You, you, yes, you're making a Salam. point about it. I am happy that, yeah. uh, you know, Angel mm. has been able to at least dilate the issues a bit further mm. from their perspective. Because mm. they are in the, in the middle yeah. of, the, of the theater, if mm. you like. You know, they are in the soup. Mm. And they know what they are saying. And I'm also happy with what uh, lawyer Kwemka, you know, what he said. But collectively, if I were to sum everything up, what we are all saying now is that, Mr. President, it is time to call for the National Stakeholders Forum for us to review the implementation 
of the free senior school policy. Because mm. most of the issues that are coming up, we cannot take them in isolation. There are connectivities. They are synergized. Mm. You see the issue of the high aggregate. Once you open it up, and the policy direction is that senior high school should be the lowest qualification mm. that Ghanaians should obtain, you then necessarily must create adequate space so that all these persons who hitherto, before the implementation of the program, were sort of sieved or weeded out, can have adequate space. Mm. We are not expanding the fiscal infrastructure within existing secondary schools, and we are not even building more. So you see that there is a relationship between the policy to bring everyone in and available space. space. And because it is not synergized progressively, we are having schools having to take 4,000, 5,000 students. Hmm. If we have to build more schools, clearly we wouldn't have situations where schools would be compelled to take in that many students. Then he talks about the PTA, which I indicated earlier. Yeah. Do not underrate the role of the PTAs, ever. Mm. And I think that another reason why we have to look at the review of the policy, this idea to relegate the PTAs to the background and make them more or less voluntary groups and they, they can do what they want and, and complement what is going on in an informal way, is not helpful. Because mm. parents have a role to play, even in matters of discipline. In almost every shape and form, you cannot ignore the role that a parent has to play. So even if the students perhaps would, would show disrespect to their teachers or to their housemasters who are being overstretched, as uh, was indicated, you, you have your regular job that you are paid for mm. as a classroom teacher, teaching maths, teaching physics, teaching chemistry, and then taking on the added responsibility of being a housemaster. Mm -hmm. You still have to go and prepare. Yeah. Yet you are having to deal with colossal numbers of, of students. So I think this, these occurrences are now begging the president. We are not saying it. The circumstances are now compelling all of us. And in fact, look, let me put on record. Almost every stakeholder has agreed that we ought to review the policy, mm. except government. And in fact, sometime last year or so, the president made allusions to the fact that he was amenable to a national conversation uh -huh. around the future of the policy and its implementation. I think now is the time. If for nothing at all, even the IMF has indicated, and you and I have had that conversation here, yeah. that we need to relook look at the policy and perhaps look at targeting. Even if we don't want to target, at least let's look at all the other variables that we know when we tweak them, we adjust them, we, we provide them, would, would increase the pressure. Just a few figures. I have with me the presentation that was made to uh, my, my committee, the education mm -hmm. committee, by the Ghana Education Service when it, it met the committee to justify it, its budget estimates for, for the year in question, 2023. According to the, the, the document, the total number of teachers in the secondary school system was 54,357. Mm. 54,000, 
357. The total number of public senior high schools was 600. Let me see. I'm going to make a point. Public senior high schools was 699. Okay. Now, if you add the TVET and, and others, I think it comes to about 730 mm -hmm. thereabout. Okay. Now, the total student population in the secondary school system, mm -hmm. when the uh, Ghana Education Service also did its presentation to us for, for this year in question, and that will be for the 2021-2022 academic year, was 1 million... 308,816. Mm. If you were to do just the basic arithmetic on the average, you divide the 54,000, just about, yeah, 54,357 teachers by 1.3 million. Do you know the ratio of the number of students per, per teacher? Mm. 24,000. Well, 24,000 24, students per teacher. per teacher. That is how bad it is. Wow. Yes. I mean, these are the raw figures. You can do it. So there are challenges. There are serious challenges. And I think we ought to be honest and admit that the policy is a good policy. We have all agreed. Nobody is going to cancel free senior high school. It has come to stay. But are we satisfied with the current state of affairs? Are we satisfied with all of these challenges that we speak about day in, day out? Feeding, inadequate accommodation, inadequate furniture, overcrowded classrooms, overworked teachers, you know, and all of these matters of indiscipline that, that we are facing. Are we satisfied? Are we satisfied that we are not even able to remit and to pay suppliers of, of school uniforms, of sports apparel, of food suppliers? Are we satisfied that till date, since 2017, government is here to remit even one city to cover, absorb cost centers like library fees and ICT fees. There's a lot that is working against what we want to achieve. And the only way we can make progress is for us to sit down around the table. As you know, Lawyer Kwemka said, let's bring all stakeholders on board. These are our wars. This is the future of this nation. We are not doing ourselves any good by burying our heads in the sand and pretending that all is well and dandy. Mm. The longer we continue to play the ostrich, the more challenges and the more worrying <coughs> situations we are going to face. So for me, the take home from all of this is that the time has come for the president to do the needful. We have been waiting in the abyss, mm -hmm. on the sidelines. He should instruct the Minister for Education to convene a national stakeholders forum. Let's all come. We would review it. We will see where we need to reinforce, we reinforce. Where we need to rearrange, we rearrange, and, and then we can, we can move on to get the maximum benefit for ourselves and for the future of this nation. Right. But with this trend, I can tell you that, yes, we will just be increasing the numbers, mm. churning them in and out, but then what is going to be the value? Mm. So that, for I, me, I, I want should be the way forward. Yes, very well. Let, let me go to Franklin and, and take from him what his recommendation on the way forward will be to instill or to restore discipline back to our schools and also to ensure that really when our students go to school, they study and do what we expect them to do in school. Franklin. Well, first of all, let's not, let's not make it sound as though there are no rules against discipline, mm -hmm. right? There are, there are laid down regulations in each school, I suppose, mm -hmm. uh, for misbehavior. 
and the punishment must be method of fact. Mm. If we want to, uh, if we want to escalate the matter to the to the to the issues around school management and in these school sizes, well, that that's another conversation we need to have. I think that conversation has been begging to be had for several years, if not decades. You know, I mean, I think if we take a look at educational policy, as I say, politicians just have wet dreams and then decide to impose them on us. Um, I do not think that the whole scale school reform essentially is needed at this juncture to deal with this matter of indiscipline. I can understand that indiscipline would occur, but if indiscipline was all over the place, as in the A-listed schools, as in the middle-listed schools and the lower-ranked schools, then we probably have a matter on our hands. Uh. I'm not sure we can use a few incidents to, um, to, 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 I mean, to conflate the issue, of, to, to, I mean, to, to make the issue, look, magnify the issue to the levels of uh, school management and all of that. I mean, these are these are acts of indiscipline, and uh, even if students are more. Um, there's a certain code that everybody's supposed to respect. If we've done some scientific analysis to determine that these acts of indiscipline are a result of bad food, for which we ate quite a lot during our time, uh, and the students are still, if it's as a result of, you know, um, a class type, uh, the fact that there aren't many teachers, um, for which we, we've always had problems with that then we are likely to make a very detailed scientific analysis and say that as a result of the pre-SHS, as a result of all of this bad uh, economic education policy, that is that is responsible for this act of indiscipline. Mm. But do we know that of research? Do we know that of class? Do we know that of St. Mary's, my school? Mm. Do we know that of St. Mary's, the girls' school? Uh, so um, I'm a bit constrained uh, to say that we should call for a national colloquium simply because there have been acts of indiscipline. I understand carefully and I understand what my good brother uh, uh, Park is saying, that look, maybe yes, let's, let's, we, we, should have a, we should have a broad national conversation about school management and school sizes and school administration, including how students are fed and all of that. But I'm not too sure we can link that Acts of indiscipline that we are seeing in pocket schools. Um, that's not to say that they shouldn't be punished. They should be punished, investigated, and their proper sanctions are pushed. Um, so basically, that's what I'm trying to say. Mm. Otherwise, the, the, the sanctions regime are tightened, and the students must be punished if they go beyond the, the books of the schools. I see. Um, Angel, um, you, you are in the schools. Um, of course, we've heard your views on a number of occasions, but given the circumstances of today and all of the things we have seen even this week, it means that the situation is or may be getting out of hands. What practical solutions can we proffer to help the situation? Oh, okay. Let me, let me also say that uh, over 90% of our students are disciplined. Mm. In fact, let me, uh, if, 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 if not, would have had a chaotic situation. There are mm -hmm. students who know the reason why they are in school, uh, and they are taking their studies seriously in this country. It is not a situation that is gotten out of hand, that cannot be handled. We are dealing with a very volatile 
age group of people, you know, and that is when you take nicknames like Abizi Bid. It's the most change, it's a change period in people's lives. So those behaviors are supposed to be expected. The issue is that we will have to have a regime that can handle the situation effectively for the good of the child and the good of the nation. Let us always emphasize that, that we don't punish or sanction to destroy. We sanction to reform and create a situation where that person sees the light and follows the light for his or her own good. Let's empower the school authorities. Let us allow the PTA to be PTA. It cannot be PA. Parents and school management and teachers will have to sit together as an association of stakeholders so as to contribute to the development of the schools. And so long as your child is a beneficiary of education in that school, you as a parent will have to be a member of the PTA and contribute not only in monetary terms, but in all other ways, such as resources, ideas for the development of your child. Mm. But, and then, let me tell you, there are some schools that the PTAs have contributed in developing sanctions. The parents, you know, and the parents will support school management to ensure that any area students should be sanctioned. Go and see the results of those. I'm just giving you a list of schools. Go and look at the results of these schools that I'm talking about. Go and look at the results of St. James in Sunyani, not Dam. Go and look at their results. Go and look at the results of Savia. Uh, because in those schools, the discipline is strict and you will have to follow it. Mm. Thank you very much. Thank you, Angel. Thank you so much for joining us. Honorable Kwenka, um, you have the last word on this, in terms of the way forward. Well, I have stated it. Mm -hmm. um, when a person like Angel speaks, he knows what he's talking about. He's living deep in there. Mm -hmm. And these are daily experiences that he goes through. My brother, Apak, until he became a member of parliament, mm -hmm. was in no less an institution than the University of Ghana as a lecturer. He knows what it is to interact with children and, and students for that matter. All of us know what we are talking about. I, before I actually became a member of parliament, I was a lecturer at the uh, Bolgatanga Technical University mm. and all that. What I'm seeking to say is that all of us have had one experience or the other interacting with students. Mm -hmm. Again, before I even did my law program, I taught in Bolga Girls Senior High School for three years, wow. you know. And I knew the experience, practically, what it is to live with these students and what it is to be able to discipline them and all that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, as even a teacher, if you are too high-handed, some students can set you up. Mm -hmm. yep. I'm being honest with you. If you are too high-handed as a teacher in a school, they can set you up and destroy you. And some of them, some, some so you even find sometimes teachers colluding with students to destroy other teachers. Wow. All these things go on in some of these public schools and, and all that. So I have said it. And my final word on this matter is that we should, as a matter of fact, come up with a forum, mm. an educational forum at which all the experts in the various fields and contributors to national educational policy are on board 
and each will articulate their grievances. Then we can have this as a policy document to guide us. To gu in terms of what? Discipline? Discipline. In terms of the, the, the Dis and then discipline and then the education of our children at the secondary level as a whole. Mm. As he, he indicated. Because what, what, you once see, you call for something like that, yeah. then the next thing is review of SHS. But that's yes. what your government doesn't want. No, no, no. To, no, you our see, government doesn't no, want no, no. Hold on. Review. R-E-V-I-E-W. Mm. You see... I think that at a point in time we have to face the realities as a the review has been described or redefined as cancelling. No. That, that, that's, that's see, what, what, what I'm saying is told. that I don't think there is any government, mm. not in the near future, mm. that will dare cancel free senior high school. Mm -hmm. And I heard my, my brother stated it. It has come to stay. Mm. Any government that comes to power and tries to take out that free senior high school is just like also cancelling what we had already taken for ourselves, the basic free, basic, and compulsory investor education that we, we, we imbibe for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So for me, practically, it has become impossible to take out free senior high school mm. because uh, we, we are getting very much used to it. All we need to do is to address the bottlenecks. That's it. You know, mm -hmm. and I mean, it, it, you can only perfect a system when you have studied it over time and realize that there are some loopholes and lapses that you need to correct mm -hmm. to be able to make it work and function very well. So. As we progress, some of these things will come up. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the numbers. The numbers are ballooning by the day, mm -hmm. and they are not about to come down no. any day at all. Mm -hmm. So we, we, have to, we have to find ways of, of addressing these things. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was member of parliament, just to conclude on this, mm -hmm. I remember very well that I woke up to a very bizarre situation in my secondary school where accommodation was very terrible in Timpani Senior High. Mm -hmm. And be, be, just before I left office, three brand new dormitories had been completed. Yeah. Three and 24 uh, unit classroom blocks had been completed after I had gone to meet the minister and lobbied and he listened to me. Three brand new dormitories. You could imagine that within the four years I was in office and all that. And then 24 unit classroom blocks constructed within that period alone to be able to accommodate the increasing numbers. Mm -hmm. Timpani Senior High School is, 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 I mean, the name is not that famous, but it has big numbers. At mm -hmm. a point in time, there were over 2,500 students in that school. Mm. One of the biggest population that we could talk about without a, a, a dining hall. And recently, we are just about to finish the assembly hall. And we are now lobbying for a dining hall and all that. So all these things are also factors we have to look at. Mm. Truth be told is that free senior high school is a fantastic idea. And nobody, nobody in this particular country at this time of our history should condemn it. Mm. But if there are bottlenecks, we have to address them. Well. And those bottlenecks will perfect the system, including discipline. Because, look, we can churn out millions, but if we churn out millions of dangerous characters, then we have to battle it out as a society mm -hmm. to contain them. So in doing so, we have to fashion it out in a manner that we can take care of the numbers and maintain discipline. Mm -hmm. Discipline is a core characteristic of any institution that needs to develop. Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, thanks so much. So that's uh, uh, the Honorable... Uh, uh, Joseph Benka, former Deputy Attorney General, and also former Member of Parliament for the Timpani constituency. And his, his speech forms, he wants to go back to Parliament on the ticket of the MPP. So you, you've picked forms. So when are you submitting a form, Sonabu? Well, um, my team is here to do that. They mm. picked it for me. Okay. They've done all the feeling and mm. they've not given me an indication when they want to. But my, my team will soon be telling me. But how much time do you have but to do definitely, that? Uh, the last day for filing will be 10th August. Okay, all right. And uh, we'll do it before then. Mm, okay. But how is the ground? I mean, so far, are you the only person who's picked forms as two, far as you know? We are two. two. 
Yeah, too, but mm. by the grace of God, you I hope to, to come to go okay. through. So that's an NDC seat now. Well, you were the MP. Yes. And the the. In fact, the... I stole it from NDC, and they okay. took it. And back they took it back. And do you know the interesting thing about it? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something funny. Let me tell you something funny about this this matter. You wanted to stay away. Let me tell you something. He, he's in a very queer situation in my constituency, so no one to comment. Oh, really? Because okay. he's in law, and oh. he's in law. Yes. Okay. Then his sister is niece, the one who defeated niece. me. No, she's my niece. And his direct oh, so your niece, niece is MP. Yes. He's in a very, very oh, tight corner as far as my constituency wow. is concerned. That's interesting. In fact, the two of them are from the same, I see. The same village. Oh, I see. That's too bad for you. So it's a very interesting one for you. All right, so this is a big issue on 97.3. The more reason why he has to deliver the docs. <laughs> I have on that one. A very funny one represented. A few of your messages. Uh, this one from Isaac Francois in Amasaman says, GS should have at least two policemen and two policewomen in their dormitory, respectively. Wow. Uh, moreover, CCTVs must be connected throughout the dorms, giving a particular body, giving to a particular body to monitor what the students do. And how they behave. Wow, that's 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 interesting. And a few others I'll read out to you after this break. Don't go away. Well, so when we come back, really, we'll look at the discussion on the Cecilia Dapa matter. She's resigned. OSP is taking over the matter. There's public commentary on it, and a whole lot of things are being said. We'll look at them and and, and provide some insight. Don't go away. <laughs> All right, you welcome back to the big issue. Um, we are live on 97.3 City FM. We are also uh, on City TV and on uh, Facebook and City Tube. Um, you can join a discussion as always on 020-444-7033. Also on 0549-986-996. And we'll be happy to read out your comments to the rest of the world. Some of your comments have been coming to, we'll read them in due course. Now, um, on Thursday um, and into Friday, we heard about the case of Cecilia Dapa. Uh, indeed, the matter 
was taken to the circuit court, a criminal matter, two, about five persons arranged before the court for stealing. They had stolen her money well in excess of, I mean, millions of, of, of CDs, if you convert same. One million dollars, 300,000 euros, a lot of CDs, you know, other valuables, jewelry, suits, etc. Just after that, the discussion then turned. Now, people of the public became interested in the source of the money, how the minister was able to keep all that money in the house. And also, the fact that, according to the narrative, she couldn't even, or the, or the couple, the minister and the husband, who made a complaint, could not, or, or could not detect that that huge sum of money was stolen by the two ladies, the two house helps, until uh, they caught one of the ladies in the room, you know, and so that, you know, began some inquiry before they realized that some money might have been stolen. So the, the, the issue has been raised as to how much money possibly could have been available or kept in the minister's room and what that money was doing there and, and, and what the source of that money was. That has become the conversation rather than the theft case which is presently before the court. We understand the Attorney General is called for the docket to look at, which is quite strange, though not, which is quite unusual, though not, not strange. I don't even know how I'm putting it, because the Attorney General has always could call for the docket to look at. But this is a case of theft. Why should the Attorney General be so interested in this simple matter of theft to call, that he will have to call for the docket to look at? I don't know. Honorable Pankai says he's been in that office, so he will tell us why the Attorney General could do that, you know. And so the OSP has gotten into the matter. OSP is investigating. They were in the two houses, one in cantonments, I believe. But the incident happened at Abilene Pay House of the minister and the, and the husband. They said they have found something significant that will hopefully help them in their investigation. So, Honorable um, Penka, let me, no, let me start off with Franklin. Franklin last week said that he, he, wouldn't, he, wouldn't, he, he wouldn't ask the president to do anything because the more he asked president to do, the president to do things, uh, okay, so Franklin is not on the line. We will get him back. Let me start with Donald Bukwenka. So the minister has resigned. Um, your reaction? And we don't have a culture where people just resign well, like that. But what's your I, reaction? I would, have, I would have loved to hear my brother Franklin <laughs> on this issue before I come in. But as you have said, we are yet to connect uh, to him. That's my very good friend mm. as well. But he's gone away for some time. And mm. I, after the show, I am expecting him to show up here and take myself and Clement to a certain location for some local dishes. <laughs> so, frankly, if you are listening, get ready and then come pick myself and doctor out right from the show. Anyway, you see, I started um, seeing this. I think I read a Chronicle newspaper or yeah. something mm. that reported the matter, that court documents had shown that. Uh, some money had been stolen, significant amounts of money had been mm. stolen from the residents of the Honorable Cecilia uh, Dapa. And uh, later it was flooded on social media and etc. And so subsequently the office of the special prosecutor came in mm -hmm. and effected arrests and started investigations. This one leads me to something and I'm going to take you through a very brief history of the office of special prosecutor. Okay. Um, as my uh, in-laws are aware, it eventually became like my baby because okay. I, I actually superintended he, over he the promulgation, it. Wow. I the, the promulgation the of the, 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 the Office OSP of Special Prosecutor wow. right from the very day it wow. was late to the last day. Even the motion for it to be moved, to be adopted and all that, I was privileged to be the one who moved it. Wow. And so 
I know a lot about that particular office. Sure. You see, even before we brought it to Parliament, I did some treks. I recall that I went to the U.S. Mm. I was in Washington. I was in New York. And then we met all the top, top people, Kenneth Starr, the, the big, big guys who took part in uh, investigating top scandals in the U.S., mm. you know. And indeed, we had a lot of education. And we met top judges of the U.S. courts mm. and all that. Justice Keenan in his 80s, still, I mean, very prominent people with one aim, to study their system and see how we could, in a way, replicate it in our country. Okay. So if you look at the Office of Special Prosecutor, for example, in most of those countries, it is ad hoc. Mm -hmm. We have a very permanent one that we have actually imbibed for ourselves. But in most of those countries, it is ad hoc. Ad hoc that, as and when the need arises, then they establish one to look at the issue that has actually arisen. Mm -hmm. And then when it is resolved, that's the end of it. But we have decided to carve for ourselves a permanent office of special prosecutor to deal with corruption and corruption-related offenses. Mm. So even if the office of special prosecutor decides to charge you and then you can challenge it, that the charge under which you have been brought is not a corruption or corruption-related offense, then the court that is trying you can acquit you on those grounds alone and say that you can go because that charge is wrong. It is not a corruption or corruption-related offense. Mm. So when we looked at the U.S. system, and how it works and all that, and try to replicate it. There was one peculiar country that I came across, and I'm going to link that to the current case, mm -hmm. Singapore. Okay. In Singapore, they have what we call the unexplained wealth order. Mm -hmm. Unexplained wealth. What do they do? In, in their unexplained wealth law, they can just come to, to you and pick you up and take you to court. Mm. And there will be a reverse evidence system. Okay. Reverse evidence means that, you know, in, in Ghana, we have, the, we have the mm. adversarial mm. system in Ghana, okay. where the prosecution is required to prove your mm. guilt. Yes. The accused person does not need to prove his innocence. But in the reverse evidence system, which most of the, uh, the civil countries are using, when you are arrested with a goat, they tell you that this goat, you stole it, so prove that you didn't you steal. Did that's, the that, that's what the Ghana Integrity Initiative it, is calling for. Yes, now. so in, in the civil countries, they go to court today and they get conviction today. Mm. If your explanation is, 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 is inconsistent with guilt, the court will look at it. If it is consistent with guilt, just that very day, the matter could be disposed of. But ours is adversarial. Mm. You need to prove all the ingredients of the offense before you can convict. So in looking at the Office of Special Prosecutors matter, which we, we actually... Uh, invite for ourselves and carefully carved it out of Article 88 of our Constitution without acting unconstitutionally because Article 88 states without any equivocation mm -hmm. that all prosecutions are supposed to be done in the name of the Republic by the Attorney General. Okay? So we had to carve out corruption and corruption-related offenses and hand that to the Office of Special Prosecutor because think tanks and other state institutions, CSOs, from 92 had cried out loud that the attorney general sitting in cabinet with colleague ministers becomes like um, a, a, a guilty uh, component mm. of the criminal justice system when it comes to an issue concerning one of its own. Then it is not able to act. That was actually the policy rationale mm. behind the office of attorney general, uh, uh, the creation of the office of special prosecutor. So that we, we decided that as a people, we should carve out 
and that was the vision of the president. Mm. Cover the office of special prosecutor, make an independent person in charge, and remember that the venerable Kisi Ajebe is just going to be there for six years, after which his tenure of office comes to an end. That is what the act says. Mm. So, generally, that was the purpose. Now, as I told you, the reverse evidence system I was discussing that I didn't finish. In that particular issue, the police can come to you, or the office of special prosecutor can come to you. If you are driving the latest state of the art bands, and you are living in the most luxurious house, they can come to you and hear from you how you earn legitimate income to be able to own those properties. Okay? That's the reverse evidence system. Mm -hmm. So the burden is on you yeah. to establish how you came by that. If you are unable to, to establish how you came by it, then it will be concluded that there are proceeds of crime or corruption. Mm -hmm. And so you can't be actually convicted if, 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 if you are tried. Yeah, in the tenor is actually seven years. Yes. Mm -hmm. So the, the point I am making is that as of now, the um, Office of Special Prosecutor is trying to implement that in a way because they have asked that the Honorable Sierra Abinada Pass would fill a form mm -hmm. to indicate her source of income mm -hmm. that led her to get all that of, uh, type of money in there. But you see, isn't that only giving us, again, another tip of the iceberg? Mm -hmm. Because not only politicians, but public officers as a whole, do we know what is in their houses? Mm -hmm. Probably because this one, it was stolen, and then it, it came, came to public yeah. domain. But I have stated time without number that we should not focus on only politicians in matters of this nature. Because there are some public officers who hold certain high positions whose rooms have become banks. Mm. And these are factual. Look, I'm privy to a matter in which, in the past, you know, not in the current government, past government, a similar issue happened. But that person who was involved was intelligent enough after getting the person arrested when the consequences were about to come out, the person abandoned the, the matter. No matter. I'm very much privy to that issue, mm. you know. And it, it happened. It has been happening. <laughs> you know, my, my, my brother, Apak, I, I was just about to say something very funny, and I'll, I'll repeat it. I was confronted with a situation where, you know what was stolen from me? 150 Ghana cities. Oh, okay. <laughs> 150 Ghana cities. But by a very close person to me who was supposed to be providing me with security. So the security, your, your security has cost oh, you 150 cities. 150. <laughs> you know, anytime I mention it, anytime I mention it anywhere, people laugh. They say, I, so it means you didn't have anything. All you had was 150. And I said, yes. Even no, the but you stole it in the car. After or this, if you, if you give me a... a, a a bottle of coke, I'll tell you how the 150 was stolen. It wasn't even stolen as cash. <laughs> it was stolen electronically oh. from my phone. And it wasn't money on my phone. Even I was, I, I mean, I had to be indebted when the money was stolen from my phone. Mm. You know, very funny, as it sounds. But what am I struggling to just tell you? You see, sometimes when there is change of government, mm. it's very interesting. Some people deliberately from the security they'll be rushing to you that they want to be your bodyguard mm -hmm. and etc. Mm -hmm. They're not coming for any good of yours. Yeah. They think that it's a gold mine, they'll come and harvest. Some people come to save you, not because they want to save you. They think that they've seen, they, oh, they discuss among one another, that mm -hmm. if you are saving a politician, you don't steal from him, you won't get anything anyway. Mm -hmm. So they steal, if you, if you expose yourself and you let them know you have, they will steal from you. Mm -hmm. These are facts. Somebody is struggling to make ends meet. 
and he enters your room and he sees sacks of money. Mm. And he wants to, to live a decent life. He knows that if he fetches part of it, you will even detect it anyway. There is no rational person in that circumstance who will not be tempted to take it. Mm. Especially so when they will also be suspicious of the fact that you yourself didn't even get it through any, any, right, any, any credible means. So it will expose them to all those sorts of dangers. Mm. The only thing, if I relate to the Honorable Siabina, the past case, is that I'm very careful not to, because I'm a lawyer. Yes. I don't want to jump to any conclusion and pronounce guilt mm -hmm. on her at all, because it is early days. Remember that the fundamental principle of law in our legal jurisprudence is that do not condemn a man before hearing him. Mm -hmm. The ultram party rule of natural justice, yes. that before you condemn a man, you must hear, hear him. him. And you know that it has biblical inclination. Mm -hmm. That even before God Almighty pronounced judgment on Adam and Eve and the serpent, he listened to them. Mm -hmm. He asked Adam, where art thou? Have you eaten of the fruit that I forbade thou from eating? He said, I did. And then he gave an explanation that I was actually deceived by the woman into eating the fruit. Mm -hmm. And then the woman was accosted. Mm -hmm. And the woman put the blame on uh, the, the serpent. serpent. Then God convicted them, having heard them, and pronounced punishment. You man, go till the earth and suffer to be able to feed. You woman, go become pregnant for nine months, suffer before you give birth. You snake, go without legs. So before you pronounce judgment on any person, you must be careful to have heard the person. Mm. The Honorable Cecilia Abner, the past story will come out. She will tell us her means, her source of income, and etc. to justify it. You cannot say that the mere fact that money has been found in bundles in her house she is therefore guilty of any corrupt act. Mm. Because remember that until this one, the money was discovered, there has not been any allegation of corruption against her, mm. to the best of my knowledge and belief. Mm -hmm. So she can say that it's legitimately earned income. And the explanation will be proffered to the appropriate state institution. Mm -hmm. It is for them to decide whether or not the explanation given is justifiable enough under the circumstances. Mm. If it is not justifiable and they have further evidence that can lead to successful prosecution, they will mount that prosecution. Because you see, if you go to court and you make an allegation or you bring up a charge against a person, all issues will fall in. And then you have to prove every ingredient of the offense that you have charged the person with. Mm. If you charge a person with corruption, you should be able to prove that the person acted in a manner as to have benefit using the office and etc. in a manner that was illegal. And in doing so, you need to bring witnesses to testify. You need, and so your investigation will have to be thorough enough to establish the offense. I've heard in one of the uh, platforms, and, 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 and a number of times by many people discussing that uh, one of the sources, as she has stated, is that the money belonged to the late brother. Mm -hmm. Now, if I tell you that money belongs to my late brother, for example, how are you going to be able to establish whether it did not belong to my late brother? Because mm -hmm. he's dead anyway. Yeah. So, first of all, you are, you are going to hit an impregnable barrier in your investigation. Because that alone can foreclose all the issues. Because remember that even the law says that if, if you are charged with a criminal offense and you die, that is the end of it. Mm -hmm. Unless you can mount a civil case out of it. So if the person is dead and it is true that the money, it is true or not, you cannot have any way of verifying from the person that, look, the money belongs to you or it doesn't belong to you. So, for me, in this particular matter, what I see is that it would be very difficult for the state to be able to establish credible charges. 
that will convict her as a matter of fact in terms of crime uh -huh. with respect to this matter. But we wait to see how it will, it, will, it will span out. But remember also, as I indicated, that one of the things that we've not pursued as a country which can help us fight corruption is what I told you, again, the reverse evidence system. Uh -huh. So let me tell you one thing. You go out there and you see young men, 23, 24, 25, school dropouts. They can pay myself and you for the next 50 years. Mm. They drive in the flashy of cars and they live in the most rare, luxurious apartments in certain areas in Accra, prime areas in Accra, and all that. But if you ask them what legitimate business they are doing to be able to earn income, to live such lifestyle, they cannot explain to you. Is it not time? As security agencies, the NIB, the police, the Special Prosecutor's Office, EOCO, and other state institutions sat up strong and brought up this issue for national debate and discussion. Because most of these people I have mentioned, who are young men without professions that you can nail them, that this is the reason why they have been able to make the money. We see them all the time on the streets. As if myself and you, the school we went to, we wasted our time. And some of them tell us that, mm -hmm. who are you? I can pay you. Yeah. You ask them what legitimate business you are doing, they cannot explain. I think that it's about time that the Attorney General, without further delay, goes to ensure that we, 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 we come out with an amendment to the Criminal Offenses Act on unexplained wealth, particularly if we want to fight corruption and take it to another level. Unexplained wealth is one credible area that we need to look at without further delay. Mm. Again, Salon. When the issue came out and people started talking about it, the mere fact that you are keeping trillions of dollars in your house will not constitute an offense. Mm -hmm. Because there is no law, no law in our books that you would have flouted. So again, as a people, if we think that those occurrences have become one too many and are conduits through which people perpetuate crime because we have not legislated, then that means there's a lacuna in our law. And you know that laws are made to fill those lacuna. You know, whenever there's a lacuna in the law, then the people in society will have to make a cry aloud. Then you make a law to govern that situation. Mm. Remember that we have history to guide us. And anytime you make any law, then the law is being made because you think that at that point in time, no, look at the Electronic Transactions Act and other such laws. 30, 40 years back, they, they wouldn't have been necessary. Yeah the cyber crimes and other offenses and, and their acts that guide them and all that are because of evolution of time and modernization and modernity that we have come to live with certain things that hitherto did not exist. So we make the laws to fill in those lacuna. So if we find that it is becoming one too many, that we are discovering cash in quantities that are frightening in people's houses and we do not want that to happen, legislation is the way to go. Mm. We go to parliament and legislate that if in a person's house a particular amount of money is found, then the person commits an offense, is liable to, uh, on summary conviction, to imprisonment for up to this, or to a fine of this, or to both. If we have to do that to curtail it, then we have to. But for now, there is no offense committed by merely keeping such an amount of money in your house. You may have all the outrage, you may have all the condemnation, you may have all the reprehensible comments, and etc. but no crime is committed if a person keeps such cash in the room. Mm -hmm. If we think that we want to criminalize it, the best way to go is to go to the legislature and ask for an amendment to the Criminal Offenses Act to make it an offense through the Office of Attorney General. Otherwise, 
for now, it is not an offense. And again, I urge all of us in our commentary not to hang the person, the person. before the person is heard. Let us wait, let the processes go through. If at the end, guilt is established, we can run better commentary about the person's character and integrity. For now, it can be a legitimately earned income. Remember that I've heard the story, she's a hotelier, she's been deputy minister under before, and she's been minister under this government on two occasions. She does other businesses and all that. It can be legitimately earned income. Mm. Let's wait to hear what the investigations will come out with. We are told, again, something significant was found. And I want to say something to my brother, who was my mate in the university, in the first degree. Even though I didn't do law in the first degree, where where Kisi. There appears to be something, and I want to plead with him. When he was nominated, I was one of the persons who shouted to the top of the roof that it mm. was the most appropriate appointment, academically and professionally, and in terms of experience, he was cut out for the job. But there appears to be some level of criticism in the mode and manner of execution. Look, most of these things should be done very quiet, and you should make your moves in manners that it's out of the public's eye. No, and then also if, bring us results. If it's going to run a search in the house and the media gets wind of it and goes there. No, that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if the Office of Special Prosecutor is going to do its work and carry it out well, the media will not even know that mm. it's going to do A or B. Because if police are going to arrest or search somebody's house, we don't have media there. Mm. So unless somebody from the office deliberately leaks it to the media. You see, because one thing is that if you don't take care, you would sell the person out in the court of public opinion and get the person convicted and sentenced even before the person goes through trial. Because again, you, you've stated that they're saying something significant has been found. Mm. That will give room to all forms of speculation. Yeah. Because remember that I saw something and, and I, I knew it was going to be false and it turned out to be false. That they said for five hours, special prosecutor was counting money. The officer. <laughs> I mean, of, 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 of Abana. And when, when I cross-checked, I knew it was false. And when I cross-checked, it was false. Mm. You know, and when you say for five hours you are counting, you know what that means? A lot of money. And again, public anger mm -hmm. will, be, will be directed so, at so, her. So indeed, even uh, before the, she's, the, she's, the, she's former, the former special prosecutor, uh, Martin Amidu, is altered a document. Uh, I don't know what I'd call a press statement or whatever. And he appears to be saying that we may be hanging the former minister, you know, unjustly because nothing really has happened yet. And the, it's a presumption of innocence. And we may be eroding that presumption of innocence. Yeah. Let me quote a portion of it. He said, Kisei Jabimba oh, published... Yes. I mean, yes. a presumption of innocence. Pa I mean... by publicizing the supposed arrest of Cecilia Dapa, who had just resigned her office as Minister of State, was eroding her presumption of innocence and deepening the perception that the former minister was guilty of an unstated offense before she could even be investigated for a specified corruption offense. Yes. And he, he thinks that there is some populism in that. So he goes ahead to say, populism has no place in law enforcement. Yes. Law enforcement is a serious and impartial business as it deals with upholding the constitutionally guaranteed rights and citizens, uh, of rights of citizens expected of the commission of crime during investigation. And he also says that, it is unethical to deploy law enforcement in aid of public hysteria yes. and emotions before yes, the establishment absolutely. of premier fasci evidence pursuant to 
an investigation. So I, this one, I, I agree uh, with uh, the Venerable uh, Ramidu totally Martin on this one. Martin I agree Amidu with him. Is, 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 is I, I just, I have nothing more to mm, add. Very well. If, if not, what will happen is that, Salom, you get out of here, and then you are alleged to have committed an offence. You are convicted by the Court of Public Opinion and the security agencies. No, no, but, but the point is, he must do his work. you are given an opportunity he, he, must, he must do his work too. And, and I'm saying that yes. in doing your work, mm -hmm. You have to be mindful of the constitutional injunction mm. that so the person you are dealing with, the person you are dealing with is presumed Anafar innocent. Yeah. Is presumed innocent until proven guilty, or the person has pleaded guilty to the charge. Mm. That's very, very important. So there are two components: either you plead guilty, mm -hmm. or the court proves you uh, finds you guilty at the end of trial. Mm. If none of this has been done, then the person is presumed to be innocent mm. until that, that has been done. So what is the, what's the presumption or the effect of the presumption of innocence? It includes even fair trial. What is fair trial? Yes. If you look at fair trial in the Constitution and what the superior courts have said about it, it encapsulates a lot mm. from the very moment of arrest through the moment of interrogation, through to prosecution, and to, it's all part of the issue of, I mean, running commentary about the person's guilt even before trial. I mean, it's against the principles of fair fair trial. It can prejudice the person. That is why people, sometimes judges, put a lot of obiter in, mm -hmm. in their judgments. And they listen, if you listen to radio commentary or TV commentary, and as a judge, you don't take care, you'll be compelled to import that. And they use that as a basis of anger to convict an eater to uh, innocent person. So it involves, criminal justice involves a lot. At the end, yes, you have to prove it. You have to prove that that money you found was proceeds of what? Crime. She mm -hmm. doesn't have to prove that what the money you found is clean money. Mm. Even though you are telling her to fill a form to tell her means, you have to prove that you found money and the money was proceeds of crime. Mm. She doesn't have to prove anything at all. If she has to do anything, she needs to just raise doubt mm -hmm. in your case. And raising doubt is to just punch holes. And that and doubt say that be reasonable. Is, I mean, the money that you have you are found, part of it belongs to my late brother. The other part, I got it from maybe my hotel business or I got it from this or that point is very clear at the end let's allow due process if there's any crime as of now remember that the special prosecutor hasn't charged there. Not charged, yes. as far as we know as far as we know if they can if they have, if anything has been done at all it's caution mm -hmm. they'll take a caution statement from her it is after establishment of the ingredients of an offense then they will then charge her mm. and then put her before court we are nowhere near there mm. so if we put her in public uh, opinion court try and convict her and, and she's innocent. Sometimes when she's even walking on the streets, there's public anger mm -hmm. directed. And so we right. should be cautious and careful. Mm -hmm. let, let me come to Franklin. Fra Franklin last week said he, he, he didn't want to ask the president to do anything. Because anytime he asked the president to do something, <laughs> he, 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 he does. It's to So Franklin, whilst you were away, your good friend, Honorable Kwenka says that after the program, you should meet them somewhere yes, and, yes. And, and take them out for lunch. He, he, because he, it's been a long time. He, he has built you. And, and you've been dodging. To, so, to, to so, so that's a charge you must respond to. But Franklin is my my good friend too. Yeah, way yes. back. So they said you've abandoned them. Now life has been good for you. So you've, you've abandoned them. So that, that's a charge you must respond to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, not at all. We'll, we'll do as, 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 as yes. very much. Yes. yes. So very well. So uh, back, back, on to the, back to the substantive matter. So Cecilia Dapa resigned. That should really be good because we've not had a culture of people resigning in this country. I don't know what else she could have done, but others would have uh, held on to their position because They've not been charged, as far as they are concerned. They've not done anything wrong. Uh, there's no law they've broken. They will, they will still be in office. So she resigned. Maybe she was advised to do so. We don't know. But what is important is she's resigned. Now, 
there are people who think that the way and manner the investigation is being carried out may be eroding the presumption of innocence. No, she's not been charged. As far as we know, keeping money in your house is no crime. We've not demonstrated or we've not proven that the means of getting those monies were illicit. Yet still, she appears to be, uh, she, she appears we are crucifying her. And people like Martin Amidu think that that is improper. And the way the Office of the Special Prosecutor is going about this may not be the right way. What do you think? Well, first of all, I think that the decision to resign, uh, the decision to resign was not only in her own interest, but I think the she probably sacrificed for the entire party. Don't forget, when matters of this kind uh, happen, okay, um, you know the damage of information that is out there, the contortions, the suppositions that are made. If we do not take care, and if we, and, uh, you know, we are human. If we do not take care, you could break down, especially if it is really the case that you haven't done anything really wrong. So all the international media, the exposure and all of that, I'm sure the government felt or the president felt, well, well, maybe uh, he was going to wait for her to resign or maybe some pressure might have been brought on her. But ultimately, she made a decision. And then uh, that's what we know so far, that she made a decision, resigned just so that she could uh, save some 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 sort of sanity for now while the investigations continue so for me i think her decision to resign was welcome i, I don't i don't fault her at all um, if she remained in the office i think that the house will grow louder and the hounds will come after her the hounds being those in public in the public that are obviously um and for and for and for, and for, and for good measure may be justified in doing so because of the levels of decadence and maladministration you've seen, not just with this administration, but successive ones. So um, I think she took the right decision. And uh, as, as rightly stated in, the, in both letters, she believes that she will be cleared at the end of the day. Now, on to the matter of the social prosecutor. I, you know, again, I'm a bit... Um, I'm a bit restrained to, to probably talk about her modus, his modus operandi. But let's not forget that during the Ripon Barton uh, debacle, he did say that, look, he didn't invite the media. He has never invited the media on, on any occasion when he's invited persons. And that he's even surprised that uh, the media would have had information wind of what he was going to do before it happened. So in this is the Palmata. I would think that, well, maybe the, the story might have been let out from uh, from his office. Someone might have let it out to the media, for the media to follow him there. Um, I mean, that's the only way I can judge him. I do not think that he must have deliberately asked the media to follow him. I don't think he would do that, given what he said of uh, the Frippon Barton matter, that he doesn't do that, and that there are time, time, times without number that many persons that have been invited to his office uh, he only gets to see the media at his doorstep. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. But as far as it goes, uh, he must also ensure that, uh, and I'm sure he knows better than any of us, or probably uh, equally as most of your, I mean, uh, Joseph and every, every lawyer, that uh, persons who are accused are presumed not guilty until actually proven guilty. And as I've said, and I think I said last week, uh, there's no conclusive nature. I mean, there's no, there's not been any conclusive. We've not reached that conclusive. Uh, we've not been conclusive as to whether she indeed has 
quote unquote stolen money or not until the investigations are really over. But of course, as I said last week, and I'll repeat again, but the objects of these kinds of sums being reported to have been missing from your home as a public officer clearly raises eyebrows. And I equated, I mean, I brought to bear the, what was that, the South African president's investigation that are still ongoing because some money was found missing from his fund. These things are important for the purposes of uh, good governance. So really, um, investigations must continue. I, I think the OSP uh, must be well aware of the limitations within which he has to work. And so uh, maybe I'll cut him some slack now, given the fact that he's made some very good remarks concerning media attention on, on investigations he's, he's been involved with. I do not think he personally must have done that. But uh, what do you think will account for uh, the way the public is commenting on the matter, social media especially? As we've oh. said many times, there's no rule, clear rule that she might have broken, but it appears the public is actually uh, pronounced her guilty already. For what offence? Well, sure. well, 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 I intimated not long ago, one of the reasons why this could be happening is at levels of decadence, the suspicions, the... And don't forget, it's not, I mean, we've had cases of uh, near collusions and corruption. And so there's the perception, which I suspect is feeding into this particular narrative. So that's one. Um, the other part really has to do with what I suspect many, many people. And I've seen many young people, um, not so well educated, really. I mean, formally educated, making rather sound arguments that look, if we were told that we should not keep money in our homes and that we should bank because the banking system needs to be uh, supported, or I mean, or the risk to put keeping money at home, how could people who are more learned than ourselves, right, be keeping money in our homes? Someone can even stretch the argument to the third layer about the DDE, the debt exchange. Is it possible that he might, she might have had insider information ahead of the debt exchange program? So decided to keep her money in her home. So, so it leaves people to make all kinds of invitations. So the public square is guided by three things. One, the obviously, you know, the obvious perception and to some extent, some reality that some levels of corruption really occur uh, during tenure of governments. And indeed, under this administration, there have been reported, I mean, incidents of contracts uh, being inflated or contract not done properly and people making money. Um, just listen to the likes of uh, Kevin Taylor and the things he said. Well, whether grounded in fact or not, it's actually fed on that. It's feeding on the fact that there are instances where, I mean, clearly uh, there, have been, there, have been, uh, there have been some collusion and contract inflation and which is responsible for that. Second, and again, I'm just repeating myself, is the fact that if all learned persons and elites really are supposed to be helping the system uh, in terms of as far as banking goes. Why would learned people be keeping money under their pillows and asking all of us, educated and uneducated, to keep to bank in the system, to keep the banking system going, right? And of course, the third one, uh, which again, some people are permitted to make those extrapolations, is that, well, is it possible that many ministers and public officers had wind of this DDE program? And so decided to hold um, money in their homes. Oh. In fact, and, and so again, you extend, and the other matter which really doesn't help uh, anybody right now, essentially, is that these are risk. Uh, I mean, she's 
what has happened actually is, is has risen has risen the risk profile for all public offices, and so people will start looking at them with suspicions, and that's not healthy, you know. It's not healthy. Not long ago, some people were saying some ministers' uh, money, millions of dollars, uh, was burnt in his house and all kinds of things. When people start making those allusions and uh, alliterations, then you are in you are in real trouble because so even though they may not be grounded in fact, they may not be exactly. That's the point. So that's the only reason why these matters have been discussed. I certainly would never call to see the party because I don't have the grounds to do so. Um, I can only make inferences from what people are making uh, of the case. And of course, as, a, as someone who watches the space, I can tell you that, well, look, no one really is a saint until you are really caught. Uh -huh. But as a public officer, obviously your conduct must be above reproach. If for the simple fact that the things we've been hearing, oh, the money belonged to the late brother, the money was moved from the late mother to the late brother. I think my friend Paul uh, gave a very interesting storyline, which was which sounded more like cantata, really. Uh, but again, he, 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 um, I'm, I'm he not gave, sure he'll be happy to hear you say that. Oh, no, no. Paul is my friend, and he knows, and he knows. No, he was, he was actually engaged in the grand storytelling, and I loved it, really. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that his, his supposition that, yes, the money moved from the late mom to the late brother, Sorry, from the late mom to to the to, to Madame Cecilia. Um, however, true that would be, um, you know, people see through the folly and say, okay, but why not bank it? Especially because there's been probably some uh, disagreements over who should actually keep the money. What would have happened if somebody, as, as it is now, the money has been stolen? Mm. Then what what would have happened to the legacy of the brother I see. or the mom? See, so these are the matters that are before us. Very well. <clears throat> Let me come to uh, um, Dr. Park. Your, your side called for the resignation of the minister. She's resigned. Now it appears that the public is hanging here when we do not know of any crimes she's committed. Why are we speaking so, so much about her keeping money in the house when we know clearly that she's not flouted any law, etc., etc.? She's not even been charged yet. She's well, actually supposed to be a victim of, of, of theft. Well, Salon. In fact, I forgot something very significant, and it's important I say it before we, we proceed. You, you know the Honorable Alassan uh, Suhini, yes. who, of course, is uh, a member of parliament, mm -hmm. and he's uh, a friend to you know, your media mm -hmm. network. Yes, yes, a very you know, he lost uh, the mother. Oh. Yes. And, oh, I see. Uh, oh, yes, too bad. Yes. 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 And oh. uh, tomorrow is uh, the seven-day adwa. Oh, okay. So uh, many of my colleagues, uh, are planning to go. Mm -hmm. I have other engagements for tomorrow. If not, mm -hmm. I would have gone. Mm -hmm. I lost my father-in-law, but mm -hmm. the funeral is going to be somewhere in uh, in November. Okay. So Our let me use this yeah. to console him okay. and uh, the entire uh, family. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, he happens to be an in-law as well. I see. The the wife's uh, mother mm -hmm. actually comes from my holy village. And the wife is of, a very good Dominga friend. Is my very good as friend. well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She also has some relationship to this uh, media yes. network. Um, so we are, we are with him mm. uh, in prayers in these uh, yeah, we are with very, him. Our very difficult times. Yeah. Several of our colleagues would go and, and the party too uh, will, will be there. Um, well, Madam says that uh, she's watching. 
Okay. My wife. Wow. So nice one. So then, then oh, okay. she's, she's home today. So okay, I see. I think it's good that they can You better be even. I don't know who's watching. I'm even well. I'm even well. Otherwise, after this, so, so far, I'm even well. Okay. You drive around the crowd. <laughs> Sunday, tomorrow is a much more serious day. It's my fufu day. So okay. I'm behaving well so that so I'll, you be, I'll, I'll be denied my, my Sunday fufu. I see. So if I told her, I'll greet you. All right. Very well. And we console her as well. Very well. Good. Losing a parent is not. Yes, it's good. not a small, a small uh, matter. Sympathies. Yes. Salam, the reason why this Cecilia de Pa issue, mm. you know, now it has been designated as a saga, mm. has captured public attention and has uh, spinned all kinds of narratives. It's because of who she is mm -hmm. and the position that she occupies. If it were you, it will not elicit the same level of public discourse mm. because you are a private individual. You are not a public officer. You were not a government appointee. You didn't occupy a portfolio mm. that, you know, had the level of attention and resources mm -hmm. available to you to use For in dispensing public. your responsibilities. Mm -hmm. but, but when you have a report as uh, was brought to bear by the, the Chronicle indicating that uh, a, a, a case was filed and that a court case was in progress to the effect that a, a million dollars mm -hmm. foreign currency, uh, 300,000 euros, and uh, I believe I'm looking at uh, the, the, the documents here. The, the, the charge sheet. Uh, the charge sheet. And it talks about 350,000 mm. Ghana cities had been stolen from the residence of a then sitting minister at a time when we are facing the kinds of economic challenges, mm. at a time when the public had become very cynical in terms of the propriety of public servants and whether or not we are using their resources for their good, you can understand mm. the level of fury that would welcome such a, a, a report. Now, it is good that she has resigned and we credit her for that. But resigned for what exactly? Because but, she did nothing wrong but, really, if, if that's but, what the point is. But the point I'm making is this. Mm. Yes, by law, she didn't do anything wrong. Mm. The fact that these monies were stolen from her room in itself does not constitute a crime. Mm. As uh, the former Deputy Attorney General has indicated, mm. we don't have a law that says that you don't have the right mm. to have monies, whatever quantity, in your abode. Mm. We don't have a law against that. So, on the face of it, she has not committed any offense. But you see, as I said earlier, depending on who you are, what you do, and the way society sees you, and the way society conceives the role that you play, makes a difference mm. in the type of interpretation, conjecture, name it, speculation, that such a discovery would emanate. Mm. I understand those who have argued that 
she is in this case the victim mm -hmm. and rather than us focusing on those who perpetrated the crime against her, we are actually roasting her and we are passing judgment i understand that argument but you see the other argument which is the argument of the public opinion mm -hmm. is that first of all she ought to have known better mm -hmm. Given where she is, who she is, and all the other attributes, good, that we hear about her, she shouldn't be somebody who should be holding quantums of money in her private residence hmm. when she has access to a bank where she could have gone to deposit these money. So what is it that constrains her? from putting the said amounts in the bank. And you cannot fault people for speculating. Yeah. So some have speculated that one of the reasons, possibly, which may have prevented them from taking these monies to the bank is because the monies may not have been earned in a way that can be explained to a bank. Mm. Well, whether you like it or not, that is the argument that some are making. Yes, is it that it was a funeral donation? Mm. As some have speculated. Is it the brother's money, as some are saying? Is it joint resources legitimately earned by her and her, husband. her architect husband? Is it money that has, has also accumulated over time in her work as a, a hotelier and other private endeavors that she may have undertaken? Is it also money that may have come to her as a result of kickbacks? Some are speculating. Mm. Because if you look at her ministry, and the, the type of resources allocated to her for her to do work on behalf of the, of, of the public. So all of these are speculations. So until we really get to the bottom of the investigation, these speculations, I beg to say, will never go away. Mm -hmm. They will also go away because we live in an overtly politicized country where in the past, a deputy minister's thought, dream, of earning a million Ghana cities, a million dollars, had led to some serious public commentary by those currently in government, calling for freezing of her assets, mm -hmm. calling for her dismissal, calling for her prosecution, calling for her investigation. So if today the actual sum of one million been and more somebody's has dream, been stolen, somebody's dream is has, has been, has been, has been, stolen, has been stolen, stolen, stolen. Which then presupposes that the quantum of money involved is More. beyond what was stolen. Of course. Because if you look at the narrative on the face of the charge sheet, it indicates that the couple only became aware of the theft. Yes. After they when found the, the, the younger maid, who was mm -hmm. 17 at the time, mm -hmm. had helped herself mm -hmm. into the room of the couple with a spare key. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for her, the husband yeah, had come back unannounced. unannounced. Yeah. And because there was no lookout, mm -hmm. as we now know from the story, that when the two mates were all there mm -hmm. coterminously, one was always a lookout mm -hmm. and one that entered the bedroom. When the other maid had moved on and the younger maid had decided to continue helping herself. the theft mm -hmm. by helping herself to monies that clearly was abandoned, in her opinion, mm -hmm. she had gone into the bedroom without knowing that the husband was going to come. And upon entering the house, he then heard what was described as unusual noise mm -hmm. emanating from the bedroom.
When he opened the door, the maid then tried to hide behind the door, and she was apprehended. And it was on the basis of this that, you know, the couple then went on to check, and they discovered that these amounts of monies were not available. So people are even asking the question, so how much was Involved. actually present mm -hmm. from which these amounts were stolen? And logically so, it would mean that the amount of money that was in that room was more than what was And it had been going on between July and exactly. October for a long period of time. So but but, but this was your thoughts there. Yes, look, look at the, the charge sheet. Yes. It says that the period between July and October, October. 2022. Yes, so it was happening be between that period and Fantastic. it wasn't even detected. Voila, voila. But you see, whilst we can agree that the special prosecutor has let, let, hold your thoughts on the special prosecutor. Let, let me take a short break and then we'll come back. This is a big issue on 97.3 CTFM and on CTTV, on Facebook and on YouTube. We'll be right back and continue with Dr. Park on his view on the special prosecutor's work on the, on the saga um, thus far. Don't go away. <laughs> Welcome back to uh, the big issue. Uh, my guest, uh, Dr. Clement Apak, Member of Parliament for uh, Bosa South, uh, Franklin Kujo, uh, President in Mani Africa, uh, Joseph Penka, former MP Timpani, former Deputy Attorney General. Uh, we are looking at the matter of the Cecilia Dapa scandal or saga. Uh, OSP is in the matter now. Martin Amidu says that uh, the way the OSP is carrying on the matter is eroding the presumption of innocence. Do you agree with that? And, and a, a few things we will talk about. So, uh, uh, Dr. Apak yes, was on the yes. floor talking about, about so, to talk about Yes, I was, I was about to talk about uh, the Office of the Special uh, Prosecutor mm -hmm. and uh, what has happened so far and the expectations of uh, Ghanaians. It's very important that the Special Prosecutor recognizes mm -hmm. that the jury is still out there. Mm -hmm. 
there are some who don't seem to have fit in the work of his establishment. Mm -hmm. Some have the opinion that, you know, he comes out very boldly uh, and gives the impression that he is going to take action. And then when the, in the heat of the, of the public outcry, but, but once the public begins to then simmer down, it looks like we don't see the, the level of agility mm. that is expected. Some are even beginning to think that perhaps it's only used to douse the, the fire in as far as the public reaction is concerned. And, and so whilst I, I agree that, yes, this would be the, the, the right entity to look in, into this matter, the way and manner in which he goes about his work mm. clearly must also be with circumspection. Uh, Franklin has sought to explain that it is not the special prosecutor who invites the media when he's going to undertake these kinds of, you know, actions. But you see, what agitates my mind is this. If you look at the charge sheet, I mean, if you look at the, uh, I think this is, a, yeah, the charge sheet. Yes. This, this theft occurred between July and October mm -hmm. 2022. If anything at all, is it not the case that there was a po police involvement, mm -hmm. there would have been um, uh, uh, an investigator, uh, prosecutors would have become aware of this issue because the case is actually in the court. What occasioned the special prosecutor to embark on what can be described as a raid of the minister's house mm -hmm. almost a year after the fact? What was really the import? What, 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 what did he seek to achieve by doing that? I would argue that the time that would have required a raid would have been immediately after news broke. And I think that inner circles must have known exactly the point that this was going on. Martin Amidu made that it is, it, it's, it's curious or it's, it's actually disappointing that the system only got to know after a chronicle newspaper. Exactly report. my point. Let, let, let me just read so, the So yes, finish that. that. The foregoing explains, he said a few things, why it is abominable for the safety of the nation to have taken a report of proceedings of an Accra Circuit Court on 20th July 2023 by the Chronicle newspaper for the President of Ghana, together with his security and intelligence apparatus consisting of the Minister for the Interior, Attorney General, the Minister for the National Security, National Security Coordinator, Director General of the, the NIB, to wake up to the fact that a minister of state and a husband had made a complaint to the police about the theft of their property since October 2022. It is damning for the image, not only for the government of the day, but also for the image of the country as a modern state. His view is that if all these things were happening, the, the appropriate agency should have picked up signals. Exactly. Signals, Salam, I, I have made that argument, you know. and I'm glad. I mean, and I must acknowledge, mm -hmm. Martin Amidu is my uncle. Okay. I mean, so, so today is a relational. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and, and, and you see, the argument he's making, I've I made am, that I argument. Am, I am also privileged that mm -hmm. I have been very close to him. Yes. Okay. I have made that argument privately and to, and to several people. Because if you live in a, a nation state where systems are indeed working, mm -hmm. You don't need a newspaper to break the story mm -hmm. before the you have picked this signal exactly you know, the because the briefings the president gets how how is how is it possible that we are now speaking about this issue at the national level mm -hmm. a year after the fact so for two things ought to be responsible mm -hmm. it is either this official complicity mm -hmm. that official don't knew about this mm -hmm. 
And perhaps the cause of the embarrassment mm -hmm. that this would have brought, given the position that Cecilia Dapal occupied at the time, mm -hmm. and a member of government, mm -hmm. there may have been an attempt to try and deal with this issue mm -hmm. below the radar. Mm -hmm. Because it will be very difficult. I mean, as I said, an investigator would have been involved. Mm -hmm. The police would have been involved. The case has been prepared. Investigations have been done to the extent that we know where the culprits were, mm -hmm. what so they did with the monies, exactly. the houses they bought, the cars they bought, and all of this. This is way too detailed. So you mean to tell me that in all of this that was happening, nobody who had the capacity mm. to trigger the needed agencies, including mm. the Office of the Special Prosecutor, to have done what is being done now, mm. to have commenced that investigation earlier on. Mm. So, Madia Midu is right. There is a systemic failure, and that failure is either deliberate or clearly our systems are not working at all. Or maybe all. the system thought way that, you see it, that she'll be vindicated. And could that explain the, the tenor of the president's letter, you know, and the commentary he made that he, he, he knows or he hopes that should be vindicated in a, at the end of the, pro, the, the investigation? Well, I didn't even want to discuss the president's letter because I have an issue with it. Because if you look at the president's letter, where he says it is with considerable regret mm. that I accept your resignation. Mm. Why should you regret? No, because she's a star performer. And so something unfortunate is befalling a star performer. You see, it raises questions. And you know a lot of civil society organizations have raised questions about this. Mm -hmm. Invariably, the president then goes on to indicate his hope. Mm -hmm that she will be exonerated. Yes, but he, and he, some have interpreted that to mean that he has reaffirmed <laughs> his unenviable <laughs> name as a clearing agent. No, but you only hope that the right thing is... You, 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 you don't hope for bad things for people you work with. You don't wish somebody else. Was it necessary? So the point I'm making is that this issue is throwing up a lot of other issues and concerns mm. that we ought to be mindful of. Mm. Because I... But what does it say? What I does it mean for paying... public servants? I mean, sorry, public office holders. Well, what does it do to you guys? It, it really does not put us in a good light. Mm. Well, on the face of it, mm. it does not put any public servant in a good light. Mm. First of all, the Ghanaian population has been very suspicious of our conduct. Mm -hmm. Many Ghanaians believe that we don't take up public office mm -hmm. for their good and for the well-being of the people. Mm -hmm. We take up public offices for our own good. Mm -hmm. Many Ghanaians believe that we use privileged positions mm -hmm. to enrich ourselves and the family and our families. So when these issues come to the fore, it reaffirms the suspicions that they have, true or not. Mm -hmm. So it does not bode well for us at all. And that is why many of us are very interested in getting to the bottom of this. We want to hear the source of the money. Where did it come from? Mm. Why did you have this quantum of money in your room? Why is it that this did not trigger the, the type of investigation that we are now seeing? And so I think Martin Amidu is right in raising all of these, of these questions. Mm. And it, it doesn't look good on us as, as public servants at all. It's, it doesn't look good. Mm. All right. Salam. Yes. Um, my brother has run a commentary well, and I've realized that all your panelists, mm. no one is going outrageous on mm. the matter. We are mm. all just acting within the laws mm. and trying to make our point as forcefully as possible. Mm. But you see, let me come back to even the charges mm. that have been preferred. You see, if the Honorable Sile Abnadapa knew that the 
money was a product of corruption mm -hmm. and that she couldn't explain it. I don't think she would have allowed it to go to court. Mm. Because in that case, suppress it at the level of the police. Mm. Whatever they are able to retrieve, you go into your room and cry over the rest. You don't let it go to court. But when it goes to court, you know that that becomes a public matter mm. that you have no control over. And anybody can chance on it. And she could have told the police that don't take it to court. If she so wished. If she could not explain away. Or could it how be she that she it. didn't think about it that way? I mean, all these things are, will remain the realm of speculation and conjecture. We cannot go into a mind for the mind of man is not triable. It is not mm. possible. To, not even the devil knows the intent of the mind mm. of man. For the mind of man is not triable at all. Mm. But what we now know is that these are the charges that have been preferred. Mm. And I agree that it is true that, uh, but for the unannounced return to the house mm. of the husband, maybe what happened could have continued for a very long time mm -hmm. and they may never have known whatever the outcome would have been. Most important thing is that there is public anger, there is outrage. And I've always said that when poverty is so uh, endemic in a society and then such news are being heard, then people accumulate so much anger, mm. and especially towards the political class and all that. I, ha I have indicated that you may never know how much others have in their various mm. homes. Because I've repeatedly said this, that everybody is holy until you have been accused mm -hmm. or you have been convicted of an offense. Probably there are more terrible criminals in society well, that we've never discovered. Mm -hmm. But I have told you also that, go and read The Beautiful Ones Are Not Yet Born, Aikwe mm Ama. -hmm. It's very clear in that book, and I like so much that proverbial statement he makes, that there is a very large fishing net in Ghana thrown into the sea it catches all smaller fishes. All the bigger ones pass through the holes. Mm. I like that proverbial statement. What it seeks to do is that in our society, we are so used to catching the plantain thieves mm. and the goat thieves, disgrace and parade them on the principal streets, the big thieves and then go and the put hole. them into jail. Then sometimes when we find out that a politician has committed an offense, we are able to garner people to go to court to intimidate judges mm. and all that, and bust people there in the name of defending such, such offenses. It's not about time that, as a people, we thought over this issue again and allowed individuals to be held responsible for their own misdemeanors mm. so that society can move on. Yeah. I am also talking about something which I spoke to you off air. It, it, there's another issue that we need to raise. The banks legitimately ask questions mm -hmm. when you go to deposit money, especially if it is cash. Yeah. If it is check transaction, no questions are asked mm -hmm. because you can trace it to an yeah. account when they are investigating. But when you go to the bank with a very huge sum of money, cash, to make a deposit, a lot of questions are asked. So people who feel maybe they may not be able to satisfactorily answer these things, it would then give them the, 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 the leverage or impetus to be able to keep such money why shouldn't you be able to home. satisfactorily um, answer? If you are not able to satisfactorily explain, mm. sometimes they could accuse you of money laundering and alert FIC. Yeah, but, but you should be able to, to yes. satisfactorily That's what I'm explain. saying. If it is legitimate, yes. you can satisfactorily yeah. explain. I gave you an example. Mm. In 2016, at the beginning of 2016, as a private lawyer and a lecturer at the time in, at the Bogataga Technical University, some miners um, had a problem, and then one of them accused my clients of looting his uh, um, gold, what they called over or, some, or whatever. 
and then he quantified it to be 100,000 Ghana cities at the time. And the evidence showed that my clients actually did. So I asked for them to resolve the matter rather than litigate. So the complainant said that for him to drop the matter, they needed to pay him 100,000 Ghana cities. Mm. The money was brought to me in cash at about 2 p.m., you know. And I decided that it was too huge an amount to be kept at home. So I rushed with it to my bank, uh, SG, mm. to deposit it. The manager asked me several questions. He knew me to be a very reputable lawyer and mm. all that. He asked me several questions, asked me to write a letter, come and sign, they called their head office, so that it did not amount to money laundering. Mm -hmm. So I explained the source, and they got satisfied before they accepted the money into their account. Mm -hmm. Same way when I came to withdraw it, I came with my clients, withdrew, and then we went to settle the issue. So of course, when you go to the bank with money that you cannot explain, mm -hmm. questions will be asked and all that. But I'm not saying that what she had, she could not explain. But I'm looking at the circumstances and the facts as a whole. Very we right. all need to ask questions, legitimate questions, yeah. of course, because such monies were huge. Mm -hmm. And it, between the period June and October, it means that it didn't happen once. Yes. And if you look at the properties that were acquired, mm -hmm. Salom, I have been a. Uh, you don't, you don't have I've, I've been working for actively time, for my country for 25 you, years. You don't now. have all of that yet. I, I don't have a quarter of. <laughs> I don't see to. I don't. I don't have. I don't have. I don't have a quarter of it. And if you come to my house to search, you'll be sure that you get a lot of books. I see books. Yeah. That, that's important. All right, Franklin, uh, your final word on this. I, I understand you, you want to make a point. Franklin, could you find out on this? Oh, actually, I was going to say, buttress the point, uh, my good brother, um, Joseph, as well as actually um, uh, Apak made. You know, the matter was reported first to the police, and the police at that juncture should have actually started that investigation alongside uh, the investigations into who actually stole the money. So, so Amidi is very right that the system couldn't have failed us that much. If the police were under and that they probably fear that they were going to ask questions of a minister, they could have reported the matter to their superiors and then escalated it to the level of the IG. Would it have been here if all, the, all these things were done? Mm. Thank you. I see. Thanks so much. Uh, so that's how we concluded today's edition of the program. But a quick one. Uh, the, 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 uh, the conduct of public officers bill, what, what can we do about it? It's, it's been slow. Uh, you first. Immediately, Just, immediately we have to take all these factors into consideration mm -hmm. and then put it in the fashion out the law in a manner that things like this can be anticipated mm -hmm. and when they arise we can easily refer to that law mm -hmm. and then say that if a public officer for example has in his or her possession this or that and cannot reasonably explain the person commits an offense and on summary conviction could go to jail or pay a fine or to okay. both well. we can criminalize it okay you Yes, yes, I, I, I agree with that. We need to uh, fast track it and, and then make sure that it becomes uh, law as soon as possible. And, and you know mm. that even within uh, 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 this week too, there was a, a report of, of another uh, staffer. a presidential staffer mm -hmm. who was robbed at, at, at gunpoint yes, with well, well, some good sums of money. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, when all of these things are coming up, you cannot blame the public because right. they begin to ask questions. Mm -hmm. How is it that it is appointees, mm -hmm. it is people from the political class, who have these sorts of monies in their house who, to be robbed who, who, who or, years, to be, or to be stolen? Who years before? I mean, how, 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 yeah, how do you who, justify that? Who years before joining politics? So, or, so the public not, anger mm -hmm. ought not to be, uh, you know, uh, taken for granted. For granted okay. So we now have a responsibility of showing that 
Yes, I mean, as the saying goes, there are mensas in, in every house. Mm -hmm. But we are not all called mensas. Very well. Okay, thanks so much, yeah, guys. Uh, so that's how we conclude this edition of the program. Uh, show uh, it's been live on 97.3 CTFM and on CTTV, Facebook, and CTTube. My guest, Franklin Kujo, President in Mani Africa, Clement, Dr. Clement Apak, MP Busasaf, Deputy Ranking, Education Committee of Parliament, uh, Joseph Penka, former Deputy Attorney General and former MP Timpani, who is uh, um, uh, who is.